Who doesn't love a classic chocolate chip cookie? Famous Amos has been making them since the 70s, 1975 to be exact. With semi-sweet chocolate chips and a satisfying crunch, it's everything classic in one bite-sized cookie. And fans couldn't get enough. That's right. You'll find our original recipe, the one you know and love, in every bag of Famous Amos original chocolate chip cookies. Find Famous Amos anywhere you buy your favorite snacks. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. HuntStand is the most popular and functional mobile hunting app on the market. With a variety of base maps to choose from, satellite imagery that is updated every month, the ability to check the weather, no property information, and even catalog your trail cam picks, HuntStand even gives you the ability to import pins and location markers from other mobile apps. Visit HuntStand.com or download wherever you download your apps. Enter discount code SN20 at checkout for 20% off. Welcome to Missouri Woods and Water Podcast with your host, Nate and Andy. Why are you trying to sound like Bruce Buffer? No, Micah. Dude, this might be the first time you and I have been just no, you and me on the show for a while. It's been for a while. We've done a couple before. I don't know why you're trying to sound like Bruce Micah Buffer. Micah gets busy every once in a while. I think I know Bruce, what he's Bruce Buffer is a badass. About. He messed our... I think he did this on purpose. <laughs> He's jacking with our show notes on Google Docs. Yeah. Thanks, Micah. But, uh, no, this week's a good show. Uh, really enjoy it. Talking with Kendall uh, Card. Yep. With uh, Camel Fire and Black Ovis. Yep. Uh, Kendall's one of the co-founders of the companies. And uh, as you born know, and raised out west. Yeah. And as you know, Camel Fire is one of our favorite apps, hunting apps. We spend way too much time and money on that app, but uh, all for the best, right? I mean, yes. Yeah. <laughs> In the long run, when I get the item, after I've been yelled at, right? I still have the item in my possession. I've never. Yeah. She's never made me send it back yet. I'm just saying. <laughs> I mean, Very I true. might get, take my lickings, but. Very true. Uh, anyway. So, it's yeah, uh, today's show with Kendall, we basically talk about um, – well, we talk about the history of Camo Fire, how he got it started, 
that sort of stuff. Talk about comment, like, and then going out west, going out west mentality of going out west, and then we get into a little bit of gear there for a while. We do, and uh, I will give a shameless plug out to our buddies at uh, Working Class Bow Hunter. Kendall was on their ep- or their podcast about a month or so ago. Yeah, you should go check that one out because it's a little different than ours. Um, kind of talk about just mm-hmm. the history of camo fire and and him being in the outdoor world. So it's a it's a really good show he did with uh, Kurt and those guys too. So and regardless, you just sh- should just check out Working Class Bow Hunter anyway. If you like us, obviously. you're definitely going to like them. Yeah, and no, they've got no. like you know a million episodes that yeah. you could. If you've never listened to them, just start at the beginning. Oh gosh! Start going. If you're OCD like me, that's how I started listening to them. There's no way. I started at the beginning of their They're shit. They're over like 500 some odd episodes. Just just working class, and they've got right. two other. Uh, they've got uh, working class on Deercast and CC files. Because they had their five hour long but they're episode. All, yeah, they're which all. This is about to turn into. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So. It's a decently long episode with Kendall. We make it yeah. almost two hours with him. Yep. Let's uh let's hit our sponsors and let him get to it. Let's let him get to it. We'll we'll save the best for last year on uh, this week. So uh, we'll we'll start with Midwest Gunworks. Great people over there. Uh, talked to our boy Cameron the other day. Actually, did you? I'm gonna work on uh, finishing up another little gun project and uh, get another stock for an AR. Pray tell. Well, it's actually working for a buddy, but oh yeah, nice little AR10 project. You're gonna finish up. And then uh, oh, you I, I broke a stock. No, no, no. Just stay what? on the AR-10 plot project. What is it? It's AR-10 308. Okay. All right. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. He's kind of working on finishing it up, and he didn't know kind of how to finish it up. And I was like, I know, I know exactly <laughs> where to go. And I pulled up their website, uh, MidwestGunWorks.com. And uh, one of the cool features they have is they have a blueprint yep. of an AR. And the parts you need, you just click on that part, and it pulls them up. What they have available, you sort them, boom, done. Nice. And if you use our code MWW5, you get 5% off because every little bit helps. Yep. Cutty back trail cams. Uh, I set up. You uh, Yeah, did a little work here. Most, uh, all my trail cams um, at one place. And actually tomorrow morning, while you get up to go coyote hunting, uh, me and my brother-in-law are going out to uh, my other place that I hunt setting up the cams out there before it gets too freaking hot i don't blame you there tomorrow's supposed to be a good day though high of like 84 compared to 95 yeah i'm gonna but, be at his house at seven so we can get it so over you, with so you got any good pictures of any deer yet uh i've got um i should be happy that yeah. i've got some some pictures just not the one you want reptile has not been seen on camera yet and if anybody remembers who reptile is it's the deer that I played cat and mouse with last year before I killed um, Noob Sabbath. So I would like for him to show back up. All names that come from Mortal Kombat, obviously. Which, did you know, fun fact, Mortal Kombat was originally a Scandinavian church song. I'll be damned. Yeah. It was a Finnish hymn. <laughs> <laughs> That's the best freaking dad joke you've ever given me. I will have to give credit to Micah. I didn't even know that was coming. I have to give credit to Micah. He sent me that one. Finish we, him. I thought it'd be appropriate because working in the, okay. I'm yeah. proud of you. A finish him. I I, I totally got yeah. it. Okay. And the whole finish him thing. Like that. Church song. Fatality. Church song of him, you know. Yeah. I, I think everybody gets it. Okay. I just make you don't sure. need to explain. They may not go to church. I don't know. <laughs> that was That was really good. You're welcome. Thanks, Micah. Really good. But, but you did put out all your cutty backs. Yeah, and then uh, I'm going to do some more uh, tomorrow. 
Good deal. So check them out. Use the code MOWW22 for 10% off. Uh, they're having some, some issues with uh, stock right now. Yeah. But if you can find one, get them. Um, well, I'm, I'm a huge fan. Problem is, I think the, the pop, combination of their popularity and backlog of COVID issues um, yep. that are still getting caught up, uh, tough to get. Yep. But uh, Next up, River's Edge Tree Stands. Um, I forgot to do this the other day when I was working <clears throat> over at um, your place. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was going to trim up a tree and get it ready for a new River's Edge stand. I didn't do it. Uh, then Micah mentioned us building a uh, tower blind that I got from them, yep. that we got from them, and that I'm using. We need to set a time just go put well, that Well, Micah's like, let's do, that, let's do that tomorrow, which is Saturday. And I'm like, that's not a horrible idea. And then it hit me. Your daughter's uh, birthday party's tomorrow night, yeah. so um, we're not going to do that. I mean, you could. I mean, I mean, you're going to be there anyway. Yeah, it's, it's a lot of work. Oh, okay. It's a lot of work. It's fine. And I doubt you're going to, you know, be in – you're probably not going to get the green light to come out. Oh, I wasn't going to help you. No, <laughs> no that wasn't happening. <laughs> so uh, we might do that a different day, but yep. I'm excited to, to set that up and take the boys hunting this, this year. That's going to be perfect for that. Yeah, for sure. That's going to work perfect. Um, lucky Buck. I'm dumping some of that tomorrow too. Dumped it at your place the other day. As Micah says, I can't say enough. About I can't them. say enough good things about those guys. But legitimately, I love Lucky Buck. I've never had a mineral work as that good as an attractant. I'm sitting here right now scrolling through my pictures I've gotten tonight, and yeah, just, I looked at the as we've been on this. Yeah, as we've been on uh, our podcast here, I did, my phone has been blowing up with pictures, but. Uh, LuckyBugMinerals.com. Check them out. Micah, they put, you guys posted a uh, a reel or something of uh, the Lucky Buck Mineral Clover. Yeah. That stuff is kicking ass and taking names. That's, that is the perfect perennial yeah. mix they have. I, I took that reel and whatever the hell you call it. I, I, I provided content. Good job. Good job. You can't make you know it on any, but I am provide some. Uh, but yeah. <laughs> I don't know. LuckyBuckMineral.com. Check them out. Onyx, Maps. We, we talk, talk about, about that in the show know, quite a bit. How important that is, especially going out west. Um, I don't even care if you don't use Onyx, to be honest with you. If you're going to go out west, find a mapping service that you want to use and use it. I prefer Onyx. Um, I've used several other ones with no problems either. Always takes me back to Onyx, though. I mean, it's yep. just, there's My, some other ones out there that, that'll do the job. But none I've found as good as Onyx. Especially with my brain, the way it works, their directional pointing thing that I don't know how to explain it. It's this little cone oh. of point. Yeah. I can stay on track or easiest using that. And so we I don't have ser- cell phone service where we hunt. Nope. So you can turn that bad boy onto airplane mode, save your battery. Download those maps first. And download the maps first. Go offline. Make sure they're there. Yep. They can still find you. Use the code. Go to onxmaps.com. It's about that time to start doing stuff like that. Uh, use the code MWW20 for 20% off. And then last but not least, we're not going to spend a whole lot of time on them because we talked to Kendall during the show. We got Camo Fire and Black Ovis. Camo Fire, obviously the flash sale. Yep. I, we've said it a million times. Today they got stuff on there that you're not going to have on there next, Every day next is time a new you day. listen to it. But check them out, camofire.com, or download the app. The app is really nice to use. They've yep. updated it. And then Black Ovis website. Yep. You can pretty much buy MW any type of 10 gear. for 10% off. Check them out. You can find it. doesn't matter what you're hunting, where you're going. 
they got stuff for it. Any type of gear, any type of parts for arrows, arrow ID builder, which we touch on towards the end of the show. Mm-hmm. But uh, blackovis.com, if you're not keen on the big box stores, Black Ovis has it. Yep, MWW10 for 10% off. There's our sponsors. Thank them all for being partners with us. Absolutely. Couldn't do it without them. Let's get into today's show because Let's get after it. I didn't get that invite to go coyote hunting. Oh, Thanks, poor Austin. Guy. Should I start crying like Micah does? I honestly thought you were leaving for some reason, but I'm leaving Sunday. That's true. Fair enough. Yeah. Anyways, uh, I'm not. I don't want to get up early. Anyways, I'm already doing. So I already got something going on. It's it's almost 11:30, and I'm I'm gonna get up. At yeah, four, I'm gonna keep so. you up as late as I can. Yeah, I'm leaving. All right, let's get into today's show with Kendall Card of Camo Fire and Black Ovis. This is Missouri Woods and Water Podcast. I knew you'd get there. Okay, with us tonight, we have got co-founder of Camo Fire and Black Ovis, Kendall Card. Kendall, what's up, man? Fellas, super good to be with you. Thank you so much. You too. It's a Glad uh, to have you. Friday night. It is 8, well, it's 9 o'clock here, so it's 8 o'clock out west. Yep. Kendall was gracious enough. You actually got back from a trip in uh, Montana. Is that right? Yeah, I was up uh, setting a 3D archery course uh, at uh, Great Divide, part of the Northwest Mountain Challenge. Uh, Camel oh, Fire nice. sponsors. Yeah, Camel Fire. We've been a sponsor of that event for five years now. And uh, so, anyway, we four years ago, four or five years ago, I said, "Hey, you guys need a fourth course, and we'll sponsor it." And in fact, I'll come set it. So, um, one of us goes up. One of us goes to each event and sets the Camel Fire course. So I just got back from Montana this morning after setting that course for a couple yeah. of days. Nice. So you shot me a text and you're like, Hey, we can do whatever you need to, but, uh, I can do it tonight if you want. And I'm, <laughs> I'm like, what about eight 30? Hey, we, we take advantage of that <laughs> so, when we can. Yeah. It works out well. So what was the farthest shot on the course you set up? 78. We try to keep, uh, keep them under 80 for okay. our course, but, um, my goal is to really make them, not ridiculous, but very challenging. Yeah. And as realistic hunt oriented. Mm-hmm. Like I don't, I don't do roads. We don't, we don't let, we I don't take any shots from roads. I try to avoid the roads. Mm-hmm. So, um, uh, we try and make it so people feel like they're in a, a real hunting situation. Awkward footing, side hill, like cross hill stuff where your bubble kind of, you know, kind of plays tricks on you. Um, downhill up to uphill. So it it's pretty fun. I think our shortest was 27 but it was kind of an evil shot with uh <laughs> yeah kind of the, the vitals protected so you had to trust that you would get it in there Ooh, yeah so, so um so when is this yeah. shoot is this next week it's happening it's happening right now it's, it's happening it right now today. yeah started nice. today and then uh tomorrow and sunday that's a goal so. of mine i want to get out west and do an archery challenge of some sort i we do yeah. 3d here around missouri and stuff and and those are, are a blast and fun and challenging it's just different different and, you know in the yeah. mountains it's just different we need to set up yeah. a year next, sometime and go to their their mm-hmm. thing and try to. The problem is the wives having to say yes, or we can make it a take vacation. Take them with us. Yeah, yeah, that's what a lot of people do for like TAC or even some of the Northwest Mountain Challenge events or um, or I think there's a mountain archery festival 
Mm-hmm. And uh, a lot of guys will get uh, get the family and head out. I mean, we've done it. Even we, my you know, my wife, she's not a hunter, and and uh, but we'll go up. We'll go up to Idaho for that uh, North Mountain Challenge at Tamarack, and and we make a you know the kids love to hike around, and yeah. we all shoot we all shoot bows, and nice. it's, it's a blast. Nice kids go yeah. swim in the lake while we're while we're putting up the course or working it. I bought my wife a uh, a bow. What was this? I bought it from Micah. It was my sister's old bow, and mm. I bought her one. Where the hell did uh, Kindle go? There he is. Sorry, I bought her one um, a few years ago, trying to get her into archery. And she was our, like right off the bat, she was a better shot than me, and she just did not like it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, babe, you're good at this. Like, let's keep this up. She's like, I mean, eh, it was okay. It was okay, I guess, but I'm not gonna do she's it like, again. <laughs> she's like, I kept, I kept hitting the twelve ring, and that got boring in a hurry. Yeah, it's so. too too easy. Yeah, she she was good <laughs> at it, but whatever. Um. Let's talk about, uh, before we get into today's subject, which is basically, you know, going out west, what it would take. I mean, Kendall obviously uh, lives out west and started yeah. Tell us about it. two different companies um, that are surrounded by hunting. And a, a lot of it obviously uh, has to do with western hunting. You know, a lot of the gear that you guys sell really does well for western hunts. Also does well, mm-hmm. by the way, folks, for midwestern hunting. So just remember that. Because uh, I promise you, every uh, every base layer that I own and everything that uh, I've bought from Black Ovis and Camo Fire, I use here in Missouri too. But, anyways, um, how did how did these two things start? What was the story behind uh, all this? So we, um, Mark and I, we're we're longtime friends. Business when we be, we when I always knew I was like I'm going to become I want to start a business. If I ever start a business, going to be with him. And we had a, we had an idea, actually, he had an idea to start a, a deal website for hunting. So um, they are, that we're actually under the same company. It's not uh, two separate companies, mm-hmm. just two separate web websites. But like you guys were saying earlier, you, for a while, you, you had no idea that there was a relationship between the two websites. Right. Um, yeah. And I think we've probably just done a poor job of not, not that we don't disclose that, but we just you know, whatever people, they each, each website has its own purpose, but right. we start, we started out with actually the deals to the discount site, which is camel fire. Okay. And, and it just, it, it, I don't know if we just hit, hit it at the right time, got lucky, uh, worked our, our guts out or a combination of all three things, but, but it took off in a hurry. I think guys were hungry for an opportunity to, to see exciting and good deals day in, day out. We change the deals every week, as you or every day, as you guys know. Yep. Um, and it uh, it took off about three three years into that. We well, about two and a half, three years into it. Um, it was right right after when First Light was brand new. Cryptek was just an idea. Uh, I actually remember meeting with Josh from Cryptek on a, on a on some of their new product stuff. And we we at, after some discussion with them, we kind of came out of. We actually talked to First Light early on and said, "Hey, we want to build some Merino base layers. Will you guys build them for us?" And they kind of hemmed and hawed. And they're like, "Nah." And uh, so we we're like, "Well, let's, we're going to build some base layers." So we actually built a clothing company called Core Four Element. I don't know if you guys have okay. ever heard of that. Um, we owned that for a couple years, and then Easton bought it from us, mm-hmm. um, and which was good because it paved the way for us to you know, turn our attention back to launching Black Ovis. So. 
Flacovis became the kind of inline everyday retail uh, e-commerce website, and it kind of became that complementary website to uh, to Camelfire. So nice from there, from there, and that was 13 years ago we launched Camelfire, and a little over t- almost 10 years ago that we launched Flacovis. So it's um it's been uh, it's been a wild ride since. That's awesome. You know, I, and I don't know if it's like, you know, talk about people not relating it to each other. I don't know. They're so different in their own aspect that, I yeah. mean, they both hold their own as, you know, their standalone deals. So yeah. I, and we kind of mentioned before, like, I would have guessed Black Ovis was like, you started with Black Ovis and went to Camo Fire. But it's the other way around. But it's the other way around, which yeah. is, I think is pretty cool. Yeah. And it's interesting, uh, you know, uh, bottom line, Camo Fire is a little bit bigger than Black Ovis still. Um, we keep trying to, our goal is to get black hove as bigger, but campfire keeps growing. <laughs> yeah. It's like, you know, one, one part of me is like, stop growing. The other part of me is like, keep growing. Yeah. Uh, it's well, but, funny uh, enough, the reason I found out that they were related uh, originally, like you were saying, I never really put two and two together. I bought something from black Ovis. I believe this is the way it went. And when I bought it, I got it and it wasn't the right size or something, you know, it was nothing that was wrong other than it w- didn't fit me. Sure. So I'm like, well, I wonder if I can call and ask a question. Cause I was curious if they had some information. So which Nate is the king of calling companies. Yep. yep. And you got, you need to give this information to your customer service people because they did a, a it was easy to talk to them. Uh, but I called and I believe when I called, it was welcome to camo fire. <laughs> and I'm like, wait a minute, am I calling Black Ovis that I got on Google? I'm like, well, they have the same addresses. They're close to the same thing in the same city. I bet I bet they're related. <laughs> and so I hit the thing, and the lady was talking to me, and she did a great job and helped me with everything. And um, that's how I knew that there was a relation between the two at that time. And that was, you know, like I said, nine years ago probably or whatnot. And she took care of me in a heartbeat and actually sent me a label, and I didn't have to pay for shipping back when it was my fault anyways. And your customer service people know what they're talking about and that helps a consumer from like our aspect and our listeners aspect. When I call a company and I want to ask, what should I do here? Here's what I want. It's nice to talk to somebody who knows what you're, what you're asking and knows the product they're selling. That has to be, that has to be part. I mean, it's always been part of our, just our DNA. Like I, from, from when we started, I mean, my cell phone was the customer service line. Um, and I, I mean, a couple of times I was out hunting, taking calls. And be like, <laughs> I'd be whispering like, hello, Camel Fire, this is Kendall. <laughs> and, and just trying to like keep it as quiet. I mean, I literally remember one time being into elk and a call came in. Oh. And I was like, I got to answer this. I mean, that committed to the core, right? And so, wow. but but we went from that and, and even now, like the guys, the guys or gals that, that, that answer the phones, you know, uh, 90% of them are straight up hunters. Uh, we might have a couple people that help out on the overflows that aren't hunters, but like one, the gal you probably spoke with was Jenny and she's been around 11 years, 12 years. And, uh, she's, she actually doesn't hunt, but I'll bet she could spin circles around most kids that, uh, that have hunted a long time just because she's just been a magnet of right. in, uh, sucking Knows up it. all the information. Oh man. She's, heard every scenario i mean she can walk in our storefront and sell sell a guy a pack um but uh so no it's important i mean that's always been our one of our one of our fundamentals yeah. is, is we've got to take care of people right. and know and know that the gear we're putting them into is solid 
Yeah. And then yeah. it's legit. Yeah. Hey, speaking of your storefront, um, because I know he'll listen to this. You want to give our buddy Ethan a hard time? Yeah, bro. What's up? Last week I was listening to the to the podcast and he was talking about coming to Salt Lake. So with with some excitement, I I kept listening and I was I was I was just sitting there going, Oh sweet. And he said, Oh, I went down to Kings and Kings is in, in Pleasant Grove or Linden, which is about twenty five minutes south of us. So I'm like, oh, and, he, and then he goes, I had time to kill in uh, in Salt Lake, so I spun to a couple other places. And then he mentions Mountain Ops, which is north of us, about 25 minutes. <laughs> Went right and he was, by. He was saying he's dropping like life, you know, uh, what utility bill money at all these places. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, brother, we are right there. Why right in the middle. Come by black. So Ethan, if you're listening. Bro, you're on my you're on my list. You're and, dead to uh, him. Shame on him. In fact, he gave me a uh, code to give to you that's actually going to increase your price by thirty percent whenever you order anything. Oh, yeah. uh, just no, kidding. Open invite when you're when you're up, when you're back in Utah for your next bear hunt. Come on by. We'll roll out the red carpet. We'll hang tight, and I'll even show you the uh, secret sauce. Hey, he's room. a better oh, Western hunter shoot. than we are. Yeah. I mean, he went out west his first time, killed something. So. Good for him. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Sound like it was a good, good time. That was a good podcast. No, no, we're, uh, yeah, so we're right there in Salt Lake, and, uh, yeah. So, so if you, anyone, we're literally like 10 minutes from the airport, so if anyone comes through the airport, or you're going to TAC or something, yeah, just uh, drop your, on by. Your flight gets delayed, yeah. you have time to kill. <laughs> there yeah, you go. grab an Uber, come on over. So did you, uh, did you listen to that whole show with us and Ethan? Yeah, I, I got right to the end, and then got I had something else I had had to go take so care you, of. So did you, I, did I you hear out. me kill that boon or fly? <laughs> no, I didn't. <laughs> I gotta go back. He is proud of this. You gotta go back and listen to that. He is proud of this. I actively hunted a fly with a. uh, You ever heard of the bug assault? It's a little shotgun that shoots salt. Yes, totally. My friend has one. Dude, I own two of those, (laughs) and that's how I kill flies. I will plow through two dozen flies in a matter of two minutes. And there was a fly down here while we were recording, and I hunted it and killed him right here on the show. So that's the first live animal kill on a podcast, I would say. Right? I don't care if it's a fly; it still counts. And it was Where a big, it was a big old fly. So I think he was a booner. I needed you yesterday because in Montana the flies were out of control. Like literally, I'm trying to pound in rebar with one hand, and I'm swinging my my hat with the other hand. It was it was torturous. You could have had me behind you. Don't get him confused, man. (laughs) (laughs) Start swinging, start swinging the sledge. Next year, just have me come out, and I'll just bring that bug assault and stand behind you and just go to town. You'll just be my fly assault man. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you'll have it's some somewhere towards the end, but I think I even said something like bye bitch right before I shot it and it was just it was just theatrical. It was great. It was the the best podcast moment we've ever had, wasn't it, Andy? I wasn't there. <laughs> I'm going back. Oh man. What uh what so the the premise of what we're gonna talk to you about today is really we we talk to a lot of our listeners. We we stay pretty engaged with most everybody that listens to us, and a lot of the folks that we talk to are interested in Western hunting. Some of them even do it, like like us and some other guys we know. Mm-hmm. But there's other guys, obviously, even like Ethan. Ethan's always kind of wanted to go out west, but he never did it until 2022. So there's there's a lot of folks that are just. I don't know what the word is. Scared. It's a fear, fear of the yeah. unknown, or just yeah. It's it's easier to do. What it's you're easier not to with. do it. It's easier not to do it than it is to do it because 
you don't know what you don't know about going out west, right? Mm-hmm. You don't know yeah. anything about points and uh, OTC units and all this point creep and all this stuff people talk about, which is its whole its whole beast in itself that you got to learn, which is not oh, that yeah. hard. You'll you figure it out pretty quick. But the other part is just gear. You know, if like if all you've ever hunted is whitetail, it's not that big a deal to be wearing blue jeans and a cotton sweatshirt and garbage rubber boots if you only have to walk 800 yards to your tree stand every day. Mm-hmm. For yeah. a couple of days out of a year, and that's right. it. It's, it's a little different than when all of a sudden you're out west and you're, you know, going up and down mountains, and it could be 80 degrees in the afternoon and 20, 22 degrees that night when you're in camp. So what we thought we'd talk to you about is help alleviate some of that concern people have and what, what they should look at, what, what are things that you did when you first started hunting. Uh, did you grow up out west, I'm assuming? Yeah, I did. I did, but I I – I had kind of a, like I have kind of really two histories with hunting. One, one as a kid, just, you know, hunting with my uncles and my dad and my cousins. And it was a big, it was, you know, we went to deer camp and it, that was it. And we didn't hunt elk. In fact, I, I don't even remember seeing an elk as a kid. And that's probably because, I mean, I'm 50. I grew up, you know, I grew up in the seventies and early eighties hunting with my, with my, my dad and family. Mm-hmm. And I, there weren't that many elk in Utah at that point. So, and I grew up here in Utah and then moved to Oregon. And once I moved to Oregon when I was 13, uh, 13, 14, I kind of stopped hunting. I hunted a little bit. But it, was, it was so – the type of hunting in Oregon was so foreign to us. And my dad, having grown up in Utah and Canada, he was he's Canadian. But we uh, – so I just kind of fell out of hunting. I loved it, and I right. loved everything about it, but I just didn't – I was a fish out of water. So um, – then got into got into mountain climbing and backcountry skiing and and all the pursuits, rock climbing and stuff like that. So that became kind of my passion until I moved to this town where that I live in. It's called Camas. It's a little little town about maybe there's two thousand people, two stoplights. Um, you got stoplights? Yeah, we got we. They came in about twelve years ago, and and all the all the folks got a little little upset. Was, <laughs> I guess I guess you guys got two stoplights in your town. Yeah. yeah, we don't have any. We're bougie. <laughs> We're bougie. We only, yeah, we 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 got a Seven Eleven about three years ago, and the, the whole valley was in an uproar. It was. Uh, <laughs> people yeah, were was driving good. to see that bad boy. <laughs> yeah, and then everyone around, but actually, most people were upset. They were like, "Man, there goes the valley," because we it, we all live in a little valley, and there's there's like six communities, and and the Camas is the biggest, and uh, yeah, but they, but I when I moved here, it was like. I'm back to my roots. This is, it's time to start hunting again. And all my neighbors hunted and I thought, man, I loved hunting as a kid. And my kids were right in that like eight, seven years old, nine years old. So, uh, so I dove back in. So I have kind of two phases and I, so I, I understand the passion was born in me to hunt early, but I really learned the processes of hunting as, as an adult uh over the last uh 14 about 15 years nice which i mean honestly that's kind of my story is not the same as yours but i didn't really start hunting until i was older uh because mm. i grew up in a city not a big city but a town and i just didn't yeah. have any friends that were hunters and well i did but i didn't really go hunting with them and then when i started dating my now wife she grew up on a farm all of her cousins and people like that are farmers and hunters and it it got, you know, just kind of passed down into me. 
And so I didn't start until I was in college. Uh, hmm. And I never even, like, I went fishing. That was all I ever did my entire life. Uh, this guy grew up hunting. So, you know, but yep. Western hunting, neither of us started it until we were, you were out of college. Yeah, so my dad has went every year out to Colorado elk hunting, more of just a, I don't say a social trip, but it turned into kind of just that tradition. Uh, and he's, I think he's 65 now. Mm-hmm. So I bet you he's went since he's, uh, I, I don't remember. The guy had a heart attack and uh, was supposed to have open heart surgery and told the doctor, uh, I got an elk hunt, I'll do it when I get back. <laughs> no way. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so, I mean, that that had started, but I wasn't allowed to go. One, I didn't have the funds, but uh, until I graduated college and had the money to pay for my own tag, and then you know, oh, I, okay. could, I could get there. Like, I mean, he would help me get there and, you know, all that stuff. But uh, the deal was, you know, you got to save up a little bit, you know, mm-hmm. make sure, see how, you know, wasn't a free pass. You had to kind of earn the earn the trip a little bit. But, uh, hmm. and then when that started, so Russell, his brother-in-law. Um, it's another brother-in-law thing. Don't worry, Kendall. It, it's confusing. Yeah. My cousin, his brother-in-law, yeah. <laughs> He, he was uh, he went the year before it was his first year that I got to go, and uh, he's the one actually I think for me and probably Nate as well that you know I was like man I don't know where to get all this stuff he he's a gear junkie yep and I mean yeah if it if it's relevant he's either tried it or he's found it, it. he's yeah. the one that tells us about every everything yeah. anyway so he's like I was like man what where do I get that like what where'd you get that stuff like well go. Black Ovis is where I got, you know, I taught from base layers because I was, like Nate was talking about, you know, the like the synthetic base layer that mm-hmm. you would wear or like the, uh, the like Under Armour, like cold gear stuff. Mm-hmm. But you get so sweaty in that stuff. It wasn't meant for, you know, hunting. And uh, yeah, that's when he introduced us to Merino Wool. Marino, Honestly, you ought Marino to. Wool base layer is the first time I, I, I go there to get it. Yep. And that's. You ought to really give a thanks to my brother-in-law, Russell, because that, that guy single-handedly is probably... He's, he's made you some money. Yeah, you should be partnered with him, not <laughs> us. <laughs> right? <Yeah. laughs> no doubt. No doubt. Because that kid, I mean, everybody, you know, and we have a pretty big circle of hunting friends, I guess you'd there's call eight, it. There's family. eight of us that go in our party. And if if there is a piece of equipment to find, Russell has found it and knows where to get it, and yep. that was one of the first places he sent me to. Uh, for base layers yep. and still using those things to this day but uh well, tell, tell russell i appreciate it my kids my kids have straight teeth because of him <laughs> there you go yeah <laughs> and he'll have no problem continuing to spend that money yeah yep. so lucky that's guy. perfect anyway. hey, hey hold on i'm gonna i'm gonna time out nate when you said town or you said city and then town andy you you kind of chuckled what's <laughs> uh what's going on there with <laughs> oh, oak, grove. To oak grove is not a city yeah that's why I, that's why he chuckled because oh, yeah. it's all right i lived in the city limits but it was a town of not like you know thirty thousand people probably when i was a kid and i think now it's about uh, 5500 people so it's got stoplights right. now though we we, so. play, we played them in football when i was in high school and we are definitely mm-hmm. a t- we're a ville got that ass kicked we're a ville yeah, you're three times our size. <laughs> All right, uh, I just had to. I had to. I had to ask on that because I thought it looked city. like there was something going on. Yeah, no, city, <laughs> city, like I was in some big town, big city. Uh, All right, back but to Western. Like hunting. even, but even, <laughs> even Andy and I, honestly, if you think about how we got into Western hunting, we had help. Yep. I didn't mm-hmm. go on my first Western hunt by myself. I had my brother-in-law Russell, who really basically held my hand. And said, you need to get this, you need to get this, you need to get this, we'll take care of this. I didn't have to worry about where we were going. 
because they I was going with them. It was a trip that had already been going on with the family. I was brought into it, and that's where we're going. So we really haven't even had to try to figure out new places to go yet, although we're definitely trying. It's a process when you get behind the eight ball with buying points. But, you know, that's not something him and I even had to worry about too much yet is where can we go? How do we – how do we find out what units we can go to in which states? Uh, and then, of course, trying to read maps when you're a person from the Midwest, trying to look at mountains and find out where to go and what should be good and shouldn't be good. That's its whole beast in, in and of itself. But I guess we could start there. What would you tell somebody? I mean, it, that's got to be one of the first thing you do. First things you do, honestly, is research. Where do I want to go if I'm going to try? I guess what species do you want to target? Yep. Then yep. where, but yeah, it, so a couple of the, and I mean, I, I take for granted that I literally like these mountains right out of the back, back of my windows here. I mean, that's, that's, it's, which is beautiful. Yeah, I, by could the way. I, I could, I, no, I could, no, thank you. Them. I could, yeah. I could shoot my rifle and hit that mountain. And that's literally, I've got, tra- I've got a trail camera up on that mountain, but so it's easy. It's easy for me to go, well, you just go up in the mountains and, and, but a number of different things. You know, one one thing I will say though is if you've been hunting, if you're if you're if you're just like I just roll out the back porch and kill stuff, maybe that maybe that doesn't count. But if you're if you become a student of hunting, even if it's whitetail, uh, and guys say, Well, I've always just whitetail hunted, I've never really, you know, big game hunted out west, you've got the the some foundational aspects. If you're watching trails, if you're looking at sign, if you're keen on movement in the woods, even if you're just going to a stand and you're not necessarily going to, you know, you're, you're keen about wind, all those different elements are kind of a, a, a foundational basis. Now you're, even when you're looking at gullies and, and, and little, little ridges, river bottoms, you're looking at, you're understanding terrain, you're understanding movement. You're also considering, okay, this is a cedar thicket versus like over here in the oaks, uh, or down in the river bottom where, where deer are going to move and bed. Uh, you're looking at food plots, all those different, all those different things. Cause I, I whitetail hunt every year out in, in Kentucky. Mm-hmm. And so it's interesting as I've been in, in those areas, the things that I draw upon from my big game experience, but it's also cool because I've had a few guys that come out from, from some friends from back East who have come out and, and they think they know nothing. But the reality is they have a really good foundation as far as if they're paying attention, which yeah. most guys are. If they're just showing up with some buddies and they happen to be at an elevated blind out in the middle of a field and they're uh, – and they're um, sounds like someone shooting a gun out this out the backyard. <laughs> oh. But it's uh, – but it's uh, if they're doing that, then then they probably haven't become a student of it. So they right. so indeed they don't know what they're doing. That All that aside, so first thing is is I would, I would tell any guy that's looking to come west is – don't discount what you already know because there is a, a, a large part of that that's that's foundationally uh, transmittable to mule deer hunting, uh, antelope hunting, and, and elk hunting. So it's in your second, it's in your DNA. You know, certainly. it could be right. I mean, absolutely. Now it's going to take a, it's going to take some situations. Um, you know, I have some friends that come out from from Vermont and New Hampshire every year. And these guys are just, they're a couple of guys that I met through a good friend of mine. He married a gal and she was a hunter or her family was hunters. Yeah. And they started coming out to Utah. And he actually, this is like year six, I think. And he drew a Wasatch uh, limited entry 
rifle tag this year, and he is beside himself. But, you know, those guys have come out six years. They've killed like three elk between the two of them. Mm -hmm. Um, And they wounded another one they never found. So they've had four, they've connected four times with elk in six years, which is pretty good. But they've taken, they've taken their lumps. They, they certainly, so understand the second thing is understand there's going to be a, going to be a learning curve and you're going to be, that ain't no shit. (laughs) You're going to, failure is not, failure is not that you didn't, failure is just a part of it, but really learning is the success typically in year one, two or three. And so, you know, if this is a one and done situation, then, then, you know, by all means, go hire a guide or an outfit agree if if this is and there's no shame in that at all it would be my my opinion i've i've gone on two guided elk hunts before one was last year and, and i did one about 10 years ago with a buddy who who was a guide and opened up a new ranch down in new mexico and there's no shame in in, in hunting with a guide and there's all sorts of things that that accomplishes as well as here's my plug for guides and outfitters when you go with a guide or an outfitter it, I think it condenses a ton of knowledge into one week that might take you five, four or five or six years. Mm-hmm. If again, you're a student of the situation. So if you're asking your, you might bug the crap out of your guide, but you're start you're asking him, why are we doing this? Why are we going over here? What is that elk doing over there? And, and the chances of, if you're hunting on a private location, you're going to see exponentially more elk than you would on a general unit. So so if a guy, if you're thinking, so two things, sorry, I'm kind of bouncing all over the place. If you're, thinking, right. That's great. if you're thinking that, man, this is going to be something I want to do inside and out, year in, year out, and you drop, let's say on the cheap end, five grand, on the expensive end, 12, and that's a freak ton of money for a hunt, um, especially if, if you've been buying, you know, $60 tags and putting up a couple of tree stands. Right. Um, and that's the extent of your hunting budget. But right. If this is going to be a, uh, not a lot, you know, a lifelong or a every other year or you and a buddy like you two are, are all in, man, if, if you can scratch and save and you happen to be able to sell a few things and got a side gig and you can hustle like Dan Staten always talks about, mm-hmm. uh, and, and scrape together, find the best dang guy you can go hunt with and go hunt with him once and, and just propel yourself into the world of, of Western hunting in that manner. Now, if you can't, because I, I went, I went on, a, I hunted with a buddy uh, who owns a ranch. He owns a, some private land. It's low fence. Like, you know, there's elk coming and going. And I, I was, I was seven years ago up in Idaho and I saw more elk activity and more rutting activity and heard noises. I'd never presumed would be actual elk. I thought that'd be like, just, you know, my kid with a bugle out in the backyard, <laughs> right. That it, all of a sudden, like a zillion things came together for me that wouldn't have happened. So anyway, it, those are, those are some opportunities. If you can't, if that's like, man, that's out of the question. And I, uh, and the hard way is going to be the good way. And that typically is the case because you, you, know, you appreciate a lot more mm-hmm. than, then, you know, start with, you know, some of the, some of the learning platforms or the things like Onyx. Mark Livesey, I know does a really good course. Yep. Uh, you know, guys like He's Dan He's from Staff. Missouri. Did you know that? I did. Yeah. Yeah. That cat turned into a Western killer. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, the L collective with Dan Staten, they've got a really good educational aspect. If you want to invest a little bit in that and, and just 
watching videos and 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 seeing how they read maps understanding understanding when you look at a mountain and and then you look on a map what the features look like know that right. elk want to elk and deer you know elk in particular want to they're going to seek out benches just like you and i like sure they can go up straight up i mean i've seen elk go up crazy like sheep type country and i killed a bull in colorado in like literally as i'm stalking this bull some some rocky mountain bighorn sheep came between me and the bull oh wow and and then you know i shot him at like he was at like 12 7 12 8 uh He's up there. 12, 12 so but even though they can go there like like you and i they're gonna pick easier pathways so they're looking at benches they're looking at transition zones that that have little like passes instead of steep gnarly crazy stuff all the time so you'll start to in some of those like online courses like l collective or what mark libese does that e-scouting um you'll start to learn how to associate what you will see eventually in person to yeah. what you see on google earth or 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 a, a typical a topo map yeah so th- those are some of those those are kind of two starting or launching points that i would personally tell a guy if he was headed west whether whether and and and, and again um remember what you've been learning since you were a kid or since you were a college kid or whatever in the whitetail woods because um there's a lot of value to that and i would honestly i and stay with me when i'm saying this because i could be wrong it's just the way i perceive it but i feel like a western hunter is much more confident the first time they might go whitetail hunting back east let's say if a western hunter came to missouri to go whitetail hunting i feel like that person is more confident in themselves to come whitetail hunting than a whitetail hunter is to go out west yeah there's no doubt there's no doubt about it and and in my opinion i wish i'm not saying you shouldn't be smart about what you're doing but i wish more whitetail hunters would give themselves credit i'm talking about hardcore guys yeah, there's there's plenty of whitetail folks that sit on their back deck with a rifle once a year and, you know, shoot a shoot a deer 200 yards away. I get it, but those hardcore whitetail hunters, in my opinion, a whitetail is by far the most skittish cervid that exists. You know, the, you give them one reason to bust out, they're gone. You can get away with more sometimes with an elk if he doesn't have your wind and, you know, if you have to make a movement sometimes – so I feel like whitetail hunters, if they are really hardcore about what they do and they pay attention to their wind and even thermals now that are getting more prevalent in the Midwest, the way we think about them at least, um, you can you can you can actually do a lot better job than you think you you can. I mean, yeah, like the first time I ever went elk hunting, for sure, the biggest part was getting used to what what I was in, just the. How big or how yeah, like, like mag- how how magnitude. small I was in this world. Yeah. Like holy shit, yeah. where am I? And it's all hard. I had was this little Garmin thing that I didn't even know where I was. <laughs> it was just a dot on a screen. So like, it was just a matter. And my very first day elk hunting, I I saw a bull at six sixty yards, and I couldn't even believe what was in front of me. I didn't even remember I had a bow in my damn hand. To be honest with you, it was just like holy shit. Do you see that? <laughs> you know, but. But I think, you know, you got to give yourself more credit than I think you're giving yourself, which I think a lot of Midwesterners that want to go out West, that's part of their hangup is they don't think they're good enough to go out West. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, they don't, it's like the guy that's playing, you know, like two a football, you know, like a, instead of a division one, they're division two. And they think, 
well, I probably don't stack up to go to the to the NFL. It's like, no, man, look at your stats. Look what you've learned. If he's an exceptional athlete in in in, in our in this analogy, a student of the game, like you are a student of the hunt, um, you might you might have what it takes at least to show up to uh, to training camp and give it a go, or to yeah, so or combines, right? But but uh, you know, look look at uh, I remember when I went when I went to Kentucky the first time. And, and I was, you know, the, it was actually the second time that I was there. I'm on a lease with five, with four or five guys from Tennessee, a guy from Michigan. And I mean, they're like, I mean, it, it, we're all buddies, but in the morning, it's all, where are you going? Which stand are you going to? And it's like, uh, shoes. I don't know. I was going to go down to the honeybee stand. They're like, huh? Okay. And I'm just, why like, is that? What? I don't like, know. Did I, mi- did I miss something? And you know, like, all right, good luck down there. And it, t- I, I'm kid, I'm not kidding. This, I mean, this is about an 800 acre farm, and there's, there's a handful of plots, tons of woods. We probably have six elevated blinds and about another 10 or 12 stands. And these guys, I mean, here's the thing: is, is yeah, I'm confident in hunting, but I, I wasn't thinking about the right things. I wasn't thinking about, oh, wind's coming out of the west, so I don't want to be in the honeybee because it's drifting right into wherever, and all the deer are kind of transitioning through this. So these guys had me, I mean, it took me two years before I killed a buck out there. And I was, you know, I was whacking does left as much as I could because I just thought I was in playland. But <laughs> um, I'm like, you can kill more than one animal. This is the, this is the, the this is Mecca. But those guys were students of whitetail. Um, and those keen, I'd never thought about wind that way. I'd never thought about stationary, you know, being stationary hunting mm-hmm. and, and all the different things that happen. So they their spidey senses as far as where the deer are going to move were better i think than mine because i i let you know i had let my physical ability in the mountains and my familiarity with you know tough terrain and and pine and aspen forest dictate well i can just move so i wasn't really thinking so much about wind or i wasn't so much thinking about where the storms are coming or what the, the weather pattern looks like and how's that going to affect. So, right. Um, that, that's where I think that Western hunting, I mean, it humbles you so quick. Your, you, your analogy of, you know, the two, a football player and the one, a going to the combine, you show up to that combine and that there's going to be somebody bigger, faster, stronger than, you know, mm-hmm, and that, mm-hmm. that wilderness, I guess that, uh, those mountains are that, that bigger, faster, stronger environment, I guess. To where that's that's what got me, I guess, was you know uh, I was confident in my abilities, my shooting abilities, my you know scouting and um, hunting abilities, but just the sheer vastness, like Nate said, of of how small you are, um, is is what'll humble you real quick and and make you hone in a lot of those skills. Yeah, yeah. The other another thing that that I would t- I would say is kind of a, the next thing if you're thinking about hunting west. Um, is is you, in anything in life you got to get out of your comfort zone um or, or nothing's going to happen i mean nothing of substance is going to happen in your life unless you just i don't know someone drops a suitcase of a million dollars out of a plane that lands in your backyard <laughs> that'd be great that isn't happening so you got get out of your comfort zone and realize that we we're part of a rad community like we're part of a of a really awesome hunting community now there's there's dinglings and guys that are just just a holes that uh, that that are you know just kind of sour apples. But there's there are so many dang good people in this industry, and so many like-minded, just down to earth, you know, 
type people. So asking questions without being annoying, of course, but, but asking questions of people, being extraordinarily friendly when you run into people, um, you know, just because you talk to some guy on rock slide, he seems like he's a know-it-all doesn't mean that every Western hunter is like that. So, right. um, you know, we, I, 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 I mentioned that for two, two, I think of two instances. One was I was hunting up in Idaho um, and we showed up to this, this trailhead and there was another guy getting out of his truck and he was like, Oh, where are you guys from? And I was like, Oh, we're just, you know, down here in Utah. And he, I think he was from Missouri, if I'm not mistaken, it was either Missouri or like Arkansas or something. And I, I remember him just saying, well, we'll stay out of your way. And I, I said, hold it right there. I said, listen. He must have been from Missouri. He was too nice. <laughs> uh, he was, <laughs> but he he's like, oh, well, which way are you heading? Because we'll, we'll stay out of your way. And I said, listen, man, you have as much right to hunt this as I am. We're going. And I just said, we're going. And and that that his humility triggered in me like a sense of I want to help this guy. So I said, where have you been hunting up this this way? He said, well, I've been up this drainage, this drainage, and over that creek. And I said, well, we're heading over to that creek um and we're gonna go up on that kind of side hill but i'll tell you what like you're welcome to come in that zone he's like no 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 and i said but up if you go up this draw right here like i two days ago i was into some elk about midday they'll come over from that south side on that open and they'll bed in there you might catch them in a transition as they're moving you know in and out and i said there's a wallow up over here it's like man i think there are a lot of people like me in that instance and i'm not trying to like toot my own horn but if that guy hadn't said something like, Hey, good morning. How you guys doing? Um, and, and, and Ben, and I could tell he was timid, right? but he got out, he got out of his comfort zone and he happened to run into a guy that was, was okay with helping out. And I yeah. think whether, whether you're at the hunt or before the hunt, asking questions and, and again, taking notes, being a student, um, you'll find, you know, without saying, Hey, where, what Canyon should I hunt in? You'll, <laughs> you'll find tidbits. And if you ask the right questions, that's the other thing you got as, as a, you know, think of yourself as a student trying to learn. So what are the right questions that are going to give you appropriate answers without mm-hmm. overstepping that kind of, yeah. will you tell me where your honey hole is? Uh, stuff like, Hey, if I'm hunting elk in, you know, the last week of September, the rut's kind of tailing down what kind of zones are you looking for to find elk in? Or right. as the bulls are, bulls are transitioning and the cows are kind of first kind of group of cows coming out of heat and the next group of cows, where are you going to find bulls? Or I'm going to Utah to hunt general and I'm going early uh, in the season, which is late August. What are some things I should think about? And you'll start to pick up tidbits of these, you know, information and people with those kind of questions will be all the way wide open to answer yeah. those versus, Hey, I'm coming to hunt, you know, right outside Camas. What are some great spots? It's like, I could tell you some spots, but, but you may, you may still not like do the right things in those spots to, to yeah. find success. Right. And I, I would say we, for the most part, we've experienced that too. I mean, last year I was by myself. Shout out by the way to Fritz and Heston. We haven't forgot about you guys, two friends that we made on yep. the, on the trails last year. I got to where I was by myself that day. I got to where I was going to go, and I noticed these two guys at the base of the mountain that had beat me to where I was going. And I'm like, oh, that's cool. I didn't assume I would see them because I was still probably, what, a 1,000 yards from where they were. Mm-hmm. So I start walking to where I want to go. And they were wait- they're still there when I get about halfway there. And I'm like, oh, okay. And I get another 300 yards closer, and they're still waiting. And they waited for me to get all the way up to them. And they waited for me. 
and they both come up to me really nice and introduce themselves and hey my name's Fritz and my name's Heston uh just curious where you were planning on going so they waited for me and gave me courtesy to say hey where were you planning on going on this slope and I said well I was going to go here <laughs> and they happened to be going in the exact same spot I was going <laughs> to go so I said to them hey you guys were here first it's your spot so have at it and they're like oh we appreciate it and I said however there's a game trail that's going to take us, all three of us, where we would like to go. Why don't we just take it together? And then when you guys want to go to where you would like to go, we can break up, and I'll go somewhere else and stay out of your way and try to find an elk somewhere else. And that's what we did. And all the way up, we were talking about different strategies, different, you know, where are you from? And in that, you know, that, what, 40-minute hike that we took or whatever it is, became friendly with each other and became friends. In fact, Two days later, saw them again, Yeah, gave them our snacks for the rest of their trip because they were... We were leaving the next day. Yep. We offloaded a bunch of stuff for them. Yep. So, uh, you know, you don't become friends and don't make new friends. Shout out, by the way, to Will Judson, another friend yeah. of ours now who is a freaking beast. You want to talk about a dude from out west that just made it happen. Yeah. You should out go east. back and listen to that one, Kendall. I'll, I'll send you I a will. link to that one. But I will. Yeah, text it over to me. Uh, solo, solo hunt by himself. We're in an ATV zone. You could take ATV. Nope, he walked it. All by himself. By himself. Oh, first man. time out west. And, and he killed. killed an elk with a bow. That's OTC mad unit. Yeah. Mad props. That's awesome. Yeah. You know, we're uh, 45 minutes into this thing, and we have not talked about gear, gear yet. yet. Yeah, I know. That's how it goes. <laughs> but that's how, I mean, it, when you get out of your comfort zone, things like that happen. You become a yep. smarter hunter. And just like you said with that guy from Missouri or Arkansas, he became potentially better that day by getting himself out of what he felt was comfortable. Mm -hmm. Hell, he was already in Idaho, so he's probably uncomfortable. But, uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, d definitely finding where you want to go and using some mapping services. Yeah, I think it's kind of important, honestly. Um, there's all kinds of ones, like you said. There's Treeline Pursuits with Mark Livesey. Uh, there's Go Hunt. There's. I mean, Onyx, we, we use Onyx out there. I actually, um, my first year, like I was telling you, I had just this yellow Garmin that was just a dot on a screen. I yep. felt really uncomfortable just not knowing where I was on a mountain. You know, there was no map in front of me. So I, I was just this dot, and then the ATV and camp was that way. There was another dot. Well, that could have been three ranges between me. I didn't know where I was. So, so when you said Russell hold your, held your hand, you meant literally, huh? I literally – we broke up. When I saw that elk <laughs> – when I saw that bull elk, I was not with Russell. The reason I saw that elk is because I got nervous because I hadn't – we broke up for a little while. And I got nervous because I felt like all of a sudden I was on a different mountain. Like, you know how just one little change in elevation and you feel like oh, you're yeah. somewhere else. Yep. And I'm like, I don't know where the hell I am. I don't know how to find him. You know, you're in deep, t dark timber, so it's, you know, you don't see for very far. I mean, and I got, I got uncomfortable, to be honest with you. Yeah. And uh, so I was working my way back trying to find him and then ran into this damn bull elk that was just walking through. <laughs> and, you know, it's just crazy. But mapping services, to me, that's one of the musts, is having some sort of mapping service when you're out there, uh, whether that's Onyx, whatever. Um for me, that would be like one of your first gear items. Pay that 100 bucks or 80 bucks or whatever you need to do to have some sort of GPS service. Yeah, 100%. I And I 
those guys like those guys from Vermont. In fact, uh, the one one guy that drew that tag, I said, uh, I said, what? Well, when he said, hey, I drew this tag, I'm like, freak, yeah, that's so awesome. So let me drop you some pins on Onyx. And he goes, I don't, I don't have Onyx. I'm like, what? <laughs> you need You're going to like, need he, to be getting it. <laughs> I'm like, you've been out here for like six years, and he goes, well, you know, uh, Zeb has has uh, has Onyx. I'm like, pro stop screwing around yeah it, you know you can get like use the elk shape you know uh discount 20 percent off and buy that dang thing if you don't need i mean if even if you buy you know all 50 states at at you know 80 bucks yep like it pays for itself after day one it so really does um onyx onyx for sure and and as far as gear goes like jumping into that you know the next the ins what 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 you guys or what you know anyone from the from the east or Midwest sees as an insurmountable because they're thinking, okay, tag six hundred dollars, you know, gas to drive out there. Mm-hmm. Well, eight hundred dollars now. You're right. Um, you know, <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. Plus, plus, you know, all the lodging or tents or all that sort of stuff. You know, I've never camped out west, so I don't have this like super lightweight backpacking tent. The the reality is, and I I loved what what Ethan said on that last episode with you guys is. Outside of boots, and I appreciate that he bought Krispies. That yeah, he's got, he scored some points with me there. But <laughs> yep. That really, I mean, Onyx. I'd say Onyx boots. Yeah. And a and a good pack. Most of the rest, you can kind of fake it till you make it, or jump right. on. I mean, shameless plug, jump on Black Govis and get some of our Merino base layers, or jump on a site like Camelfire, or jump into like a forum like Rockslide, and start picking up little odds and ends. But realize that. You don't have to have the best dress to go to prom, and you don't have to have all the best gear to, to go out west. Absolutely. And and so, it, you know, I, I bumped into a couple of fellas from from uh, the Midwest in in Colorado, and they I was about I was coming out. I had a had a bull that bull that I told that I said I'd kill like I I'd killed a buck early in the week, came back in, hunted with my buddies, killed killed that bull. Uh, they went out the morning of. I I was coming out with llamas with uh, with that elk. And I bumped into these two these these two guys, and they had, I mean, they had the crappiest backpack I'd probably ever seen. They had stuff like strapped to it, hanging off. It looked like an old army surplus bag. Yeah. <laughs> and they had they had like Under Armour this and and some random real tree camo that. But the one thing they did have is, dude, they had smiles from ear to ear, and they had just an enthusiasm, and they were like, we don't really know what we're up to, but. We're we made it. it. We made it, and we're going up. And my goodness, you got an elk! And so, of course, I'm telling them every little spot that they could go to because <laughs> I'm. I mean, that's big country. But so, yeah, I was. I was so. I mean, it is sounds stupid, but I was so proud of those guys. I walked away from that that moment and thought, that's the one thing I love about the business I'm in, is we. I get to talk to, and we get to talk to guys like that every single day. And if I can encourage them or give them uh, kind of a direction on the right kind of gear like that i know that the better gear will enhance the hunt there's no right. doubt about that no, we make I, we've, all, we've all noticed that yeah and i'm not saying that from a mon- like hey i want to pad my pockets it's flat out truth the better the gear is the more you'll stop thinking about your gear while you're hunting and you'll be able to focus on yeah on the hunt yeah uh, so upgrading and that whole, you know, like your buddy Russell, it's like <laughs> you can take it a little too far, and I do. I mean, I get pretty crazy, but um, about all the latest and greatest and this and that. But 
there comes a point where you got to just invest in gear, but starting out yeah. boots pack and, and a good, uh, you know, a good, a, a good mapping service, like, uh, like Onyx. Those Shameless are plug. Be the, use the code MWW20 on onxmaps.com. Get yourself yeah. 20% off. Use your code. Don't yeah. use Dan's code. <laughs> <laughs> Forget uh, I said something about Oak Shane. Let's, uh, <laughs> let's kind of break down those two packs. and, and so, uh, I, I want to know what your setup looks like. So yeah. you, say you're going Colorado, mule deer, or elk hunting. Mule deer, um, yep. You know, it's something, uh, something that, something early spring or early fall, early spring. Because I got, I got a, I drew a uh, mule deer tag in the unit we are, we go elk hunting in. So I'm pretty, heck yeah, pretty stoked to have a chance there. My first couple years, I've had when I was there. I haven't in the last couple, but first couple years, I had some real nice mule deer within bow range, but Didn't I was sitting there with an elk tag. Yep. And so uh, this year, I finally drew that unit. So, what is your, what is your pack look like your gear look like on a on a trip like that yeah let's just start with a pack and then you know what we can move from there yeah a couple things so i i there's two packs that i run um and just because i can and and i'm spoiled that way (laughs) uh i run this the the stone glacier crux um 65 uh or is it the 4560 i might have i might have screwed that one up uh, a lot of guys like the Sky Archer with the X curve frame um, because the the frame is is like the sound the name says it's curved more to your back. I actually like the Crux a little bit better. It's a, more of a straight frame. Um, it's a smidge lighter, and I don't really choose it because of the lightness. Uh, even though I do I do favor that. I like the the bag on that Crux uh, uh, 4065 or forty five sixty, um, and I I should know that. The so other is it, pack is it about forty five hundred cubic inches leaders in. yeah okay. yeah it and then the other one is the 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 mystery on metcalf and i probably like mm-hmm. the metcalf that's what Austin's li- using. yeah that's, metcalf. i mm-hmm. i like the framing on the metcalf a little bit better than the stone glacier when i'm carrying loads like uh because it's just a smidge wider and the way that the stays are they have these so instead of the stays like the stone glacier has two vertical stays and two that cross each other in an X formation as they, as they go up through the, through the carbon uh, frame. Uh, and I think it gives really good stability and I love it. I like that it's narrow because it, it, it doesn't really stick out beyond my torso too much um, or really at all. Mm-hmm. But, but sometimes, and some people would say this is a good thing for me personally. I, I don't favor this as much, but under a lot of weight, it's like it torsionally moves. Um, but my about your body also torsionally moves. So, mm-hmm. That is nice on the mystery ranch because the frame stays, there's four of them that go vertical, but they also have cross state, uh, cross frame stays that, uh, that I think provide a little bit more stability and they're a little wider. I do like the belt, the, the new belt, which is, uh, a five point belt, meaning there's five parts to the belt on the mystery ranch is, is this, they, they finally brought, brought back the original belt, which was on my first mystery ranch. Um, about uh, 10, 10, 11 years ago, they brought that back in an updated version. And that five point belt, when I'm carrying a boatload of weight, uh, and I'm talking probably 70 to 100 pounds, the 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 heaviest that I've ever w- like that I that I know I've measured was this uh, in January. I shot a cow elk uh, here in Utah, and my uh, the kid that works for me, uh, Bridger, he and I came out. He was he's our photographer and film filmer on on staff at Black Elvis. Nice. I weighed I weighed my pack when I got home because we took that elk out in one trip and that was uh oh, man. it was it was 115 pounds 
and and it was it was just flat out just terrible i mean it, yeah. it, it was it was doable but it was but under that kind of weight that five, or any kind of weight basically over about 60 70 pounds um i prefer the mr ranch belt because i think i think it hugs my hips a little bit better and distributes and pads a smidge better so mr ranch metcalf is on the one hand um but i really do like that stone glacier crux um evo so and those what, are the those are my packs that i that i run and what they both do and you know like uh out west you know i ran an exo mountain gear for multiple mm-hmm. years um andy and micah both run alps, alps packs right now and actually alps is coming alps outdoors is coming out with an elite pack in the fall which yep. i'm looking forward to trying out but all of those packs, this XO I just mentioned, the Alps, the Stone Glacier, and the Mystery Ranch that you just mentioned, they all have the ability to pack meat between the pack and your body. So it's keeping that weight closest to your body as possible. Um, if if I, I don't care what you buy, obviously, that's probably the biggest thing is keeping that, that meat closest to you. Would you, mm-hmm. I mean, do you think that's probably the biggest thing to pay attention to when you're looking at buying a pack yeah yeah 100 percent. the the load carrying capacity it's really between the bag of the pack and the frame of the pack that's what yeah 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 Yeah, you said body and i think in my mind i was thinking that's going to be a bloody mess (laughs) (laughs) that's uncomfortable but but it uh and and the other thing too with that is looking just because you can put it between the frame and the bag does not mean it's always ideal and what and what i'm getting at is you have to look at the height where that lands because mm-hmm. one of the things that i think a lot of, and that's why this i do like that stone glacier i think the the load carrying shelf is positioned a little higher on that frame not that not that and not that you can't overcome that with the mr ranch which i do uh because what i'll do is i'll cinch down the bottom a little bit so because you don't want that weight as that weight of that, that meat gets lo- lower down uh, to let's say the, like your tailbone and the top of your, your, your like where your glutes are, mm-hmm. it's as it gets low like that, it's just going to grind away. So if you can, if when you're, when you're loading that, you know, you guys already know, but when you're loading the meat and you've got the pack flat on the ground and the, and the bag is kind of clamshelled away from the frame, make sure you load that and position the meat a little higher than you think, even if it's going to, protrude up above the back of the frame um that'll be a better situation but yeah that having a pack that has a meat load meat load carrying shelf like that alps one you guys are talking about Mm -hmm. uh or like any of the ones i've mentioned is is super critical now that's only going to be you know hopefully that happens every single year right yeah or when it happens it's happened one time for me (laughs) in five (laughs) when it happens you yeah you'll you'll save yourself not to mention it's going to carry camp and day hunting. Even if you're day hunting with 20 to 30 pounds yeah. of gear, whether that's, you know, the pack plus first aid, plus water, plus food, plus a couple extra layers, plus, 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 um, you know, if you're in that 20 to 35 pound, you know, on a daily hunt, it's going to carry it so nice. Yeah. So nice. And that's and, about where we're at. I yeah. Mean, we're day hunting essentially. I guess that's another thing you got to think about too, is what kind of hunting you try to try to do. Like, Right now we're mostly day hunting, so like my XO at the time is was an XO um, two thousand mm-hmm. cubic inches with a lid, so mm-hmm. it's yeah. big enough to probably go overnight, maybe maybe two nights if I had to, but that's about it because it's not a very big pack. Um, 
you got like your stone glacier you were saying was a 4500 mm-hmm. that's a pack where you could probably fit four or five days in somewhere in there if you needed to yep. uh and then they got even bigger packs out there that you know you could fit a, up to a week probably of stuff in so what kind of hunting are you going to be doing are you going to be day hunting well you don't need a giant pack then you can still have that same frame i mean like all the alps ones that andy and micah have the exo that i had at the same time at the time that frame was the same from the 2000 to the 6000 you know yep. it didn't it's just matter a, just it's just a bag, a bag difference. difference yeah and you can you can and i've i've done this a couple of times even with the stone glacier because it is a little smaller like the sky archer i think there's a 5900 and they have a 7200 uh cubic inches um, and, and I ha- actually have a sky archer and I don't, I used it for my bear hunt last year in Idaho, but, um, but I, I have taken even a drop bag. So I'll take a dry bag or basically what, what you know, a game bag mm-hmm. and, and I've dropped like my tent, some of the heavier items that I don't want to have sitting out in the bag. Yeah. And right. I put the, put those against my body. So I've even used the pack, the load carrying situation when I'm, when I'm not using a lot of mm-hmm. going in. And that way I don't have to carry a bag that's ginormous. I can get to camp, basically un- take that, that meat, meat load shelf, you know, bag, whether it be a dry bag or a game bag, drop my gear, and then the pack cinches down. Because at that point, once you get to the destination, whether it be by truck or by foot, um, you are, you're, you're day hunting at that point. Yeah, yeah. Right? that's a good idea, so, actually. Use right, that, like that. that meat packing capability, that shelf for some of your gear. You're your coming in if you got yeah. a small, yeah. Cause I'm make a, sure, make sure you're putting heavier gear, you know, closer to the body yeah. and, and then, you know, stuff like your sleeping bag, if you, you know, lightweight sleeping bag or your, your down jacket and some of those other things, put those out into the, uh, or like your food, your food, as much as you think it's not heavy. My food bag, when I go to Colorado, that sucker's like, yeah, it's like 18, 20, 23, 24 pounds. Yeah. Yep. How many days? So that goes right against my, my body. If, if I'm not using uh, llamas, which I have, have used. I'm a notorious uh, overpacker. So yeah. that would be oh. what I need to do. What type of knives you like? Knives? Um, I'm super fond. So I uh, uh, like well, probably most people. I went through the, uh, the Havilon world. Um, mm-hmm. and got... I didn't, I, but I'm, I am back to fixed blade knives. Um, I do carry a Havilon. I always have like a Havilon with me. Um, I, like, I use yeah. the goat knife, um, that Travis Nowatney created. Um, and I don't, I didn't care for it a lot. Mm-hmm. I like it, and it's wicked lightweight. I, um, but I do like the folding aspect of the Havlung. So that there's yeah. that. But yeah. I'm I'm a huge fan right now of the Argali knives. You um, know, I haven't at, tried theirs yet, and I oh, really wanted to. Dude. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I love Benchmade. The Hidden Canyon Skinner is one of my uh, one of my longtime favorites. The, uh, the you know they Benchmade makes a great knife out of Oregon. That's that's where I grew up my teen mm-hmm, years. Mm-hmm. But I'm I'm really super fond of the two knives that Brad has made the carbon, uh, Argali carbon uh, knife, and then the Serac. The Serac is a little bit if you've looked at pictures on the Serac has a deeper um, kind of belly. It's a little bit bigger knife uh, than than the carbon. The carbon almost looks like a like a good knife for for a you know caping out an animal with a, okay. a smidge a smidge more belly and not quite the the kind of that uh, that uh, spear tip. But for so, because I can be picky. If I was going to choose one, I'd, I'd probably pick the carbon. But the the Serac is super good for uh, 
for uh, elk and the, and then the carbon is what I use for deer and yeah, and uh, same sa- stuff out. Mm-hmm. same service yeah same service as Benchmade you can send the knife in they'll they'll sharpen it for free and ship it back to you no cost. Do you take um, a sharpening tool with you? I do. I have a I don't even want to know brand it is. It's just this little teeny guy that uh, that I found on on Amazon. Um, it uh, it's you know it's got a little v sharpening it mm-hmm. puts it at an angle yep while some guys i know i remember watching ranella once and he's like oh that those things are garbage or whatever case and he was being critical of it versus kind of old school with a stone which i can do my dad is kind of a knife connoisseur but for quick just just reapplying the blade yep i'll use i'll use those little v you know, you know even that outdoor edge v that's that's what i have is an outdoor edge sharpening that little v thing I mean, yeah, it resets the edge different from the, the factory, like from Benchmade or or Sarah or the uh, or the Argali, but it 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 does the job and it gets me right back up and going in yeah. in no time. Um, and then I, at the end of the season, I send it send it in, yeah, to get resharpened and good to go. So yeah, Argali, I would check that one out. Yeah, That's a good that question. Yeah, good question, to. Andy. I currently use a. Uh, it's I have a Havilon too, but I transitioned to yep. an Outdoor Edge replaceable blade knife uh, just a little bit bigger a little beefier in my opinion mm-hmm. um the blade's a little bigger and it's also replaceable so little, i can just you know take a little a more stout out. yeah I, i've uh, actually resharpened that uh that outdoor edge before it, it'll take it'll take uh like a sharpener to uh, touch up that edge if you're in the field which is different from the havilon mm-hmm. um i just didn't like the outdoor edge uh i felt like the blades weren't quite as sharp as havilon that so, that I could see. I've I might noticed that before, where I'm like, man, I feel like this is dulling already. Uh, but you know, that's when I've got ten of them in the pack. I'm like, well, switch another one yeah. out and move on. But uh, I haven't really paid that close of attention yet to that aspect. But I I could definitely see where that might be right. I I've broken I've broken a handful of Havilon blades. Um, yep. I stab myself with one. Mm. <laughs> um, they're sharp. They're and and I've had a couple pop off, like in the yeah. middle of you know going around, like a hip bone in you know a hip socket in on an elk, or yeah. more like taking out backstrap when you're really kind of carving around the uh, the spine or the top of the rib bone. I've I've had the uh, uh, I've had the Havilon blade pop on me a few times, and it just it's enough to kind of just make me think twice. So right. I've always got one as a backup, but I always have a fixed blade with me, and then. And that's what we're going to have to look at. I carry right now, a fixed I don't blade have, and a Havilon. Yeah. I have a oh, fixed nice. blade, but right, it's just a cheap-ass, like, Whitetails Unlimited. I'm not saying they're cheap-ass, but, like, something <laughs> I got for a giveaway. Mine's a Gerber, <laughs> uh, one from Orsland's. Yeah, well, Gerber's quality. I'll, I'll take a Gerber. Yep. yep. Yeah. Um, all right, how about on boots? What are some things you look at, look for on boots? Uh, obviously, I know Crispy is um, one of the high ends, Russell would agree that's right. what he runs we run zamberlands We're, we run yeah. zamberlands um another high-end boot yep they make a great boot we sell a bunch of them on uh on black ovis yep uh so what are some things you look at for a boot because i i'm one of the you know how you said you uh what, what was the term what, what did you say earlier about um you can get by oh, but you gosh. definitely notice it makes your hunt easier when you do start buying more quality stuff and boots is one area the first year i went out out west i won't mention the brand i i bought a cheaper boot and it got me by i made it through but mm-hmm. i noticed my feet during that that hunt i had yeah. some blisters the balls of my feet felt like i was walking barefooted by the end of it you know 
I noticed that as I got more into it, obviously started paying a little bit more money for boots and you get that. So what are some things you look for? Um, let's just say early season because yep. I would say a lot of like a lot of people who might go Western elk hunting archery wise are probably going to go out late August, early September. And speaking of boots. Yeah. Right yeah. now in Camo Fire, but which yeah. I know no, it's not going to be there when these people listen to it. But today is boot day on Camo Fire. Hey, you know apparently. what we need to do? We need to have We're him to send yep. us what's coming up next Tuesday when we record so we can actually, like, <laughs> every every time we do our spot with you guys, we'll get on Camo Fire and be like, well, what do they got today? Nobody listening to it that right. day is going to have it on there. My question oh, is, is there or is there not a thing? Is it Trail Cam Tuesday? Not anymore. We, in fact, it's funny. We had that question uh, in the office, and Jason, who does the listing, he said, "I'm mixing it up. We're not going to do Trail Cam Tuesday." <laughs> so there was a Tuesday. thing. So it used to be. So a there thing. was a it, thing. It is, a, and he still will do it. But he said, "I'm going to start playing with people." So I said, "All he, right, all right." So I lost a bet. Yeah. When we were recording an episode on a Tuesday, <laughs> I'm like, oh, "I'm sure it's tra- Trail Cam Tuesday." We get on it, and there's not one Trail Cam <laughs> on there, and he made me a liar. Uh, he did. No, oh, man, that's a. Well, I, I'll take a little bit of that blame because I was pushing him a little bit, but he's, <laughs> he's, he's a he's a he's a he's a stealthy guy. He uh, he tries to keep it lively. So no, but uh, back to boots. I think the and uh, good eye, Andy, on that uh, checking the app and seeing what's on Camel Fire yeah, every um, day. But uh, so two things I would say that really start to differentiate where you, what direction you're going to go in boots. Number one, and re, and you know, early season, late season. Um, obviously you're looking at insulated, non-insulated. Okay. That aside, what you need to determine is how much work do you want the boot to do? Like, how much do I want to rely on my boot to do X X being when I'm side healing, do I want the boot to be more, I guess, supportive so that my, my ankle and feet are working less, or do I want a boot to be a little more nimble where, uh, you know, I know I'm going to be. I'm going to be doing a little bit more of the work and the boots can be doing less of the work. Once you've determined like, Hey, I, I'm, I am confident in my ankles. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm maybe you're more athletic or maybe you're a runner or maybe you just have super sure footing in, in, in steep country and your ankles are bomb proof. Um, once you've determined whether, Hey, I want the boot to do a little bit more work so I don't have to think about it. And, and knowing the pro, you know, your boots might weigh a smidge more in that instance, mm-hmm. or man, I want to be ninja like, and it's okay. I'll, I'll compensate for whatever. If the boot gives me at least a bit of support, I can do the rest. Once you've determined that, like in the, in the, you know, in the crispy line, for example, or in the Scarpa line, you know, the Zodiac, you know, is a, is a lighter weight boot or in the crispy line, the, the, uh, the Laponia, or the Thor or the summit or a little bit lighter weight. Um, and so you're like, Hey, those are going to give me good support. The Laponia is a really lightweight one. The summits are lightweight. the, the Scarpa Zodiac, those are lightweight. It's going to give you support like a boot, but don't expect a whole bunch, but you can expect, I'm going to move a little faster. I'm going to move, be more sneaky, sneaky when it comes time to getting in close. Uh, I'm going to be more nimble. If I had to run a 5k, I could probably pull it off in one of those boots you know, chasing down an elk or something. Uh, or if you're like, man, I just want a boot that's so flipping solid, like the Nevada or the, the yeah. And that's the, a, that's what Kurt Geyer 
uh, when you guys are doing your show with him, that's what Kurt's running, right? Is mm. the Nevada? Yeah. Yep. Or the Vias or the, yeah. the you know, you were from, looking at the from Zamberlin. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, those ones are, those ones are boots where you're in it, you know, you're in a boot, but you also know you're going to be kicking in doors and taking names later. And it's going to give you the kind of support that you're just going to, you know, I mean, you're going to rally the mountain. Um, the other thing that that's going to do is when you put on a lot of, a lot of weight, like in your back or you're putting in long, long miles with a, with a, a little bit more midsole. Uh, let's take the, the crispy Laponi, which is very popular right now. And the Nevada, both are leather, one super lightweight, the Laponia one, one is like it's beef. It's a boot, which is Nevada. The tread depth on one is, is more like a running shoe, like a trail running shoe on the Laponia tread depth on the, uh, on the Nevada is thicker. So as you start to look at those and you look at the midsole, which is just above the tread, uh, the midsole in the Nevada is much thicker. It's made of polyurethane, which is you know, two different densities. It's going to absorb more impact over time. Mm-hmm. Laponia, not so much because it's a little bit lighter weight in an EVA. So as you start to just physically look at them, just realize over more miles and heavier weight, you're going to get more comfort out of the, uh, potentially out of the, the Nevada, you know, genetics are all different for all of us versus out of Laponia. So you start asking those kind of questions that really differentiate what direction you're going to go in a hurry. And, 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 you know, some guys are like, no, man, I just don't want a heavy boot. It's like, well, why, what do you think? Are you thinking about just ounces? You're just trying to shave ounces because it's popular. Or are you thinking about the way you move through the mountains or how much support you do have or don't have, um, you know, some of those questions. So I, sometimes I, I hear a guy say, gosh, I bought the, the Thor because it was so lightweight and I knew it was a, had, but man, I about broke my ankle every time I went over <laughs> like, you know, rocks. It's like, yeah, the upper doesn't really have that much ankle support. Well, I have bad ankles. It's like, dang, I wish you would have called this and gotten better information. You know yeah. what I'm saying? So, and you, so, I mean, you, some of that happens just over time. Like I never had ran an eight inch boot before this year and my pair of Zamberlands are, are eight inch boots. And while I like them, I'm going to go back to a six just because mm. I th- I think I like I don't necessarily mind having a little less ankle support. Um, although I said that and I rolled my ankle in my old boots today. <laughs> but I was I, it was like my ankles are such trash anyway that I just roll them and I just keep walking anyway. So get you we'll the 11s. See how it goes. Yeah, you got 11s, don't you? Yeah, yeah. But uh, and you know, not everybody has the luxury of being like, well, I'll try this boot out. If it doesn't work next year, I'll get something else. Hundred percent. That's the that's, worst part. But yeah, and that's, what, that's what. Yeah, I do some research. I mean, jump on any of the any of the websites or any of the bootmakers. They all have good videos. Uh, you you talk to like someone at Black Ovis, like in our storefront, we've got you know Crispy, Zamblin, Scarpa, La Sportiva, Salewa, uh, Kenetrek. We sell a lot of Kenetrek. Uh, we even got Danner. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, which is Danners have been a tried and true boot for a long time. Uh, I think their quality has gone down a bit as they've they've uh gone to more mass production mm-hmm. um there's no doubt about it i i my first hunting boot was a danner um and i loved it and i beat the crap out of that thing um but you you know you talk to a, a store like ours or or get on a manufacturer website and heck like don't don't be don't be shy about calling them and just peppering them with questions see i know Look at Nate. He's all he's he's gloating. I'm not, I've never been nervous about calling a manufacturer and just being like, "Hey, King of I'd like some information about your product." 
Mm-hmm. Andy, I'm sorry about that. You'll, he's going to be he's going to be happy. Yeah, about it that. Is, I'll hear that. It has benefited him many a times, though. <laughs> I, I will say it has. It has. Hey, Nate, call these people. Okay. <laughs> so uh, that that's good but information yeah, too. You know, I mean, foot, last thing with footwear is just don't don't. That's the one thing that don't take your buddy's advice. Yeah. Well, or take it with a grain of grain of grain of salt. Sure. Because uh, you know what works for my foot doesn't work for your foot, Andy, and your foot, Nate. Yeah. Um, there might be some generalities if we're if we're hunting kind of similar terrain. Yeah. Um, so anyway. And socks. I already know what the answer is, but what do you run? Freak, man. Uh, darn tough. I wear our black Ova sock, um, and I like uh, Farm Defeat. Farm Defeat's another one, good one. They're out of uh, South Carolina. Darn tough's out of Vermont. And um, those are all can't... what? Marina wool. Marina wool, yeah. Never wore just look a at, Marina look wool at sock content. in my life until then. Dude, I it, it is a travesty if someone's wearing like you know the Kirkland cotton socks that you get two dozen for ten bucks. There's a reason you get a dozen of those things for ten bucks, um, and a darn tough sock around you twenty twenty five. Yeah. But you buy two two pairs of darn tough for the last entire need. hunt. Yeah, yep, it's all you need. They'll dry out uh, in a matter of like even if you get sweaty feet from whatever you walk through water and get wet somehow. Um, take you a nap on the side of a mountain in the sun and put your socks out in the sun and they'll be dry by the time you wake up, which yeah, we've done it's before. A, it's a system. You have to run a good quality sock. And the other thing that that, West, that Midwest hunters don't, they often translate like the thickness of a sock to warmth. And yeah. while it is true, if you go too thick in a sock of a sock, you know, in a, in a mountain hunting boot, you're going to basically eliminate the dead the dead air space both in the fiber as well as between the, the sock and your inner boot which is what actually heats up it's much like a down sleeping bag or a down puffy it's it's the down itself is initiates the the retention of warmth but it's the air around the down you know the down particles or the air around the merino fibers that gets heated up that creates the warmth inside your boot so don't always don't cut off the blood circulation or the dead airspace by creating by wearing an oversized sock a, a light hiker meaning a sock that's of a you know, fairly lightweight but the, has a padded heel and a padded toe air, uh, toe box area that's what i start with for early season and i might move into what darn tough calls like the full cushion mm-hmm. which is really more a, a mid-weight sock but outside of those like i don't i personally don't think that you need to go any thicker the only thing you might consider doing for a late season western hunt is running a like a a micro thin merino or a synthetic uh uh sock liner um, yeah. and that's kind of an old school mentality but it's still prevalent uh i think you guys were talking about brian call last week on your podcast yep you know Br- brian's a diehard line sock liner fan um so that just helps with moisture management management and and pulling that moisture away which can help reduce yeah. the client like how clammy so a sock a sock i mean geez i'd probably put sock as your next next purchase after you know on x a good pack and a pair of boots mm-hmm. that'll be at least the cheapest of those three mm-hmm. things heck yeah. you know i mean socks are yeah you can get nice ones and i definitely did that i mean i own darn tough smart wool rei stuff i stopped in one time bought a three pack mm-hmm. of theirs the funniest thing is i bought light medium and heavyweight ones through all the different brands i don't freaking remember which ones are which at this point <laughs> and they all most of them feel about the same to me i can tell the really lightweight ones but some of them i'm like i don't know if these are heavy or or mid or what so i'm just gonna wear them and 
Marino wool socks are a game changer for sure. Marino wool, yeah. like in general, just in like general, base layers, yeah. and that, that's what changed a lot for me. Is just and, going to yeah. Marino wool I, base layer. I would look at socks. Look at a Marino content north of fifty, like enough in that fifty to sixty range is ideal. If you're going with a lightweight sock that's earlier season, then you can dip down into that upper thirties and forties. But anything less than that, it's it's kind of a it's it's an imposter in my opinion yeah there you go. yeah let's move into base layers because that's kind of the next to me if you're going out west a base layer is almost a needed thing um yeah i've gotten Straight to the point marino. where now where i'm in here at home i don't hunt without a base layer on and i never used to hunt with base layers until i started going out west and now i feel what weird sort of, without one on what sort of differences has it made for you when you're hunting out in in in, in missouri there where at home like, what, what I yeah, just, when you're implementing that, like what what are you noticing different from before? I don't I don't wear like I don't put on coats anymore. Yeah, I just so not near depending on what time of the year is. I'll wear my my lightweight base layer and my outer synthetic um, polyester out, outer wear, and that's it. I I usually don't put anything else on, and if I do get a little chilly, I'll throw on a hoodie, and hmm. usually go on. Now when it gets colder. Sure, I put on my heavy base layer, a pair of pants, my heavy base layer on top, typically a second item, and then a coat. So at the at the most at home, I'm usually three layers deep. Which uh, I mean, when I when I used to be as a kid, I had the long johns on, oh yeah, pair of Carhartt. jeans on, then pull on the overall Carhartts. You know, I mean, just you look like the Michelin man <laughs> walking waddling. outside. Yeah, and now I mean, I can, you can be more efficient. I don't have to have. I can wear you know. Uh, pair of Moreno base layers and a good, good pant, and uh, which at home now, as we've gotten more smart about gear, it's the windproof gear that has really changed the game for me. Yep. When you're sitting still, yeah, and you have a base layer on and two other items, let's say, and they're both windproof. If you keep the wind off of you, for me, that that's pretty much the entire game. I I usually stay warm enough to be fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yep. But that came from hunting out west. So let's talk about base layers and why you think they're kind of important. Yeah, uh, it's just a layering system allows you know re- instead of relying on that that one big coat um, or just going for flat out cotton t shirt. I mean, it's the base layer will regulate temperature not just uh, not just for warmth, but also for taking moisture away from your body and cooling, allowing it you to be cool um, without putting like a cotton the cotton just doesn't breathe like uh or a cotton doesn't create the same experience as like a lightweight merino like i'm talking 150 weight yeah um you know you're even a 150 weight like our merino t-shirt that we make for black ovis i wear that deep into the winter as the first against the skin and then i run you know like a like a long sleeve quarter zip or a hood that's 150 or 200 and then i might be putting a 250 on the outside or at that point i'm running a like a synthetic like the sitka heavyweight hoodie right um or like kings makes a really nice heavyweight grid fleece um cryptic makes a good one too so the, uh, or the stone glacier helio um top so that merino in a lightweight against the against the you know the body is is super ideal yeah um and i don't even i mean even you know, sitka makes that core lightweight it's super light that's kind of what I hunt in like for archery season, but I'm still wearing 
that marine that lightweight merino t-shirt against because it just yeah it it in the morning takes the nip away without having like you said dump a you know a big coat on or anything like that yep. but yeah merino base layers it's pretty pretty simple yeah and um, that's... for a guy, for guys like us that, have, that know about it for guys that haven't tried them I mean, it's it's just a game changer in heat Absolutely. regulation, thermal regulation, really. And even it's weird to think this, but even when it's like eighty degrees outside, even if it's out west or at home, early season, let's say, I will still wear that hundred and fifty gram grain gram whatever it is uh, mm-hmm. base layer first before my outer layer because it helps me with my sweating. Yeah, I'm I'm going to sweat mm-hmm. my ass off because that's just what I do, but. For me, it, I think it helps get that moisture off me quicker, and I dry a little easier than if I was just wearing my 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 outer layer or my camo, let's say, because um, then it just gets wet and it just stays there, you know, longer in my opinion. So I'll I'll wear mine almost every like and every time we go coyote hunting, I'm typically wearing those base layers. Same. Um, first, so that's changed changed for me, and then the outer stuff, like Kendall's already said. There's all kinds of great companies. Depends on how cold it is, obviously. In the early season, I'm running a polyester, lightweight type of shirt and pants uh, on top of my, my base layers. As it gets colder, if it's not really loud, I go for stuff that's kind of windproof. Um, if I'm sitting still, if I'm moving around, windproof is a little different. But um, is that kind of the same thing for you, or what do you uh, – Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I I usually don't get um like the the wind the stuff with wind windproof wind stopper. I'm usually layering uh like a merino on the bottom. You merino sometimes you know, as my second. Then I'm running a synthetic or a vest or a lightweight puffy like the uh, like some of the Sitka. They'll make a you know like they they'll use what's called Polar Guard Alpha, which is is kind of a fleecy slash. Uh, it's, it has a fleece backer, but it has a little bit of a of insulation. They have one called the we call it the Belichick, but it was the the Kelvin Active hoodie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, they've got the new uh, the new Ambient series, which is a is a different kind of insulation, which is focusing on not super puffy like your traditional down 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 jacket, but something in that midway what I would call a midway insulation. So I don't really put a wind st- wind stopper type layer because it I'm I'm more high active hiking a lot. Sure. Um, and and you know with those layers plus if if you have a down jacket in your pack once you stop sit down on a ridge line and throw a jacket on like that, or in the early season I will have a wind stopper that I throw on at that point, just to cut the wind, so I don't uh, so my sweat just basically doesn't become like you know, something that's overcooling me or in, in worse situation, you become, you know, have the, kind of cold. You know, right. yeah. yeah. You open up to high, like hypothermia if you really let it go. But so, um, but I, I, I'm look, I'm looking at like a little micro insulation layer before I go mm-hmm. to uh, a wind stopper layer. Yeah. yeah. And that's pretty much like if I'm out West and it's a little colder, I'll typically, like I said, wear that base layer, my, my first layer and then Huntworth, you, I'm I'm a big the biggest fan of Huntworth's digital camo, which is mm. called Disruption, and yep. uh, they've got a hoodie called it's a Shelton hoodie, which is a uh, a fleece lined, I guess you'd call it grid fleece grid fleece lined yep. a hoodie, yeah. and that's pretty much all I need if I'm moving around. Because yeah. if I'm moving around, I stay pretty I'm fine. Uh, now if I sit down, that's when I might have a a uh, windproof outer layer that I can throw on if it's kind of windy that day or or whatnot, and 
I'm pretty pretty good to go for the most part. Mm-hmm. The other thing you can do, and 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 some guys, if you're if you're looking to invest in gear and you're going out west, you don't want to you know you you want to use a layer multiple times. One thing that gets used almost like not at all is your rain gear, yeah. and a lot of guys will they'll put that in their pack and they never pull it out. Nope. And, you know if they're on a favorable hunt, but uh, what you can do, I mean, instead of buying like some other jacket, like a, like the Sitka Jetstream jackets, mm-hmm. it's probably their most popular soft shell jacket made in hunting. Um, you know, that thing's two eighty nine. It's an investment. So if you have a good rain jacket, that's like a two fifty or three hundred dollar, you know, solid rain jacket, whatever, or up to four hundred dollars. Why not use that along with that insulation layer and make that your windproof layer? And and get in the habit of pulling that out of your out of your out right. of your uh, your pack each time you stop, throw that on. It'll cut the wind. Pull it off immediately when you start hiking again. Instead of you know that way that way instead of buying two jackets, you bought one and it creates uh, the ability for it to be used over multiple situations. That yeah. makes sense. Those are think as you start to think about what gear you really essentially need and what gear would be nice to have you start to categorize, well, you need rain gear. You just flat out do it. You're going to get toasted. It will rain on you if you don't have it. Oh, (laughs) man. It'll monsoon on you. So think about how you can use the same gear multiple times. Uh, If you're like, hey, I want a 15-degree sleeping bag and I want a 30-degree sleeping bag. Well, sleeping bags aren't cheap either, especially Mm -hmm. if you're backpacking. So maybe you buy a 30-degree and plan on wearing your down jacket when you sleep because – you're going to take some sort of insulation jacket. You'll and, have it, you know. Yeah. yeah, so duplicate, you know, then you take your sleeping bag from a 30 to maybe a 20, uh, and you're not going to freeze to death, even if it's down in like the, you know, 40s or 30s or even upper 20s. Um, you know, so I, I, try and, I try and recommend to guys that are coming west to think about multiple use items yeah. before, they, before they start considering single use or specific use items. That, yep. that makes sense. And I, I'd have to, to say one more thing as far as gear that Black Ovis has that I have that I really like, and that is you guys have those game bag kits. Or oh, like, shit, yes. Like the, their little orb-looking drawstring sacks that has everything in there. And yep. that, that changed – that saved so much room in my pack because yep. I was using the uh, big store uh, – Cotton ones. Oh, they're cotton, whatever they are. Yeah. But then I'd have those stacked in a Ziploc bag, stacked in there, taking up – I mean, that orb is, I don't know how big, you know, a little bit bigger than a softball and shoot, has everything you need in there. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah, one of my favorite that, things. Yeah, absolutely. Game bags like that. And uh, again, man, if you want to eat multi-use, it's like you don't have to pull them out just for that one use. Uh, right. You know, if you – if you're separating like your hunting, you know, your, your sleep sleeping kit from this and that, use those game bags. Use the use a deer bag for like your you know your storage of your your clothes to keep those separate inside. Because a lot of these big packs, as you guys know, don't have a plethora of, of pockets. Mm-hmm. So you know, use those as your organizing sacks instead of yeah. buying a bunch of stuff sacks. Um, there's 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 no uh, there's no score no score no one's keeping score on how how pretty everything looks for you. It's it's just a matter of you trying to trying to go do a rad hunt without spending a fortune, you know. Yeah. yeah. Speaking of game bags, Argali's got some I know too. Um yep. what was was it is it born and raised that was coming out with a, a game bag um mm. that it zips. Um yeah. you can lay the animal in it and then it zips. Yep. I always yep. thought that would be a good idea. Um, but I don't know if they ever finished it, and I haven't paid attention because 
I have I, game bags, so I'm like, well, I'm probably not going to buy any right now. But. <laughs> we haven't killed enough to need too many of them. <laughs> well, in the last the last one I packed out, they weren't my game bags. They were Russell's. Yeah. So I didn't have to get mine bloody. So it was nice. There you go. The only, the only, I guess the only other topic I would say is worth mentioning is food. Yeah. Um, and uh, the one thing I think I think you guys said it, and I was actually what's crazy is I was out in my garage. So I I'm uh, I'm a I'm a gearhead. There's no doubt about it. I I've got uh, I've got slat wall uh, board in my garage with pegs like you know those big long mm-hmm. pegs you see at the retail. I've got those, and then I've got food just. <laughs> top to bottom so freeze dried from basically every company and companies that no one's ever heard of or few people have heard of in the hunting industry that i'm always looking i hey i love food i love to eat um it's fact, gotta I taste good to, oh man it has to so that's the one thing i was going to mention two things on food number one um don't don't wait till you're on the mountain to try your food I mean, I know that stuff's not cheap. 10, 12 bucks for a freeze dried meal from like Peak Refuel or Mountain House or Alpine Air or Heather's Choice or any of the other brands. Um, we've got, in fact, we've got actually a few new brands that we've, we've added to Black Ovis that are pretty good. Uh, Al, uh, Alpine Fuel or Alpine Fuel, which is a breakfast brand. Um, I'm pretty fond of their granola. You can eat a hot or cold. But my point is saying is this is, is don't wait till you're on the mountain to, to eat it. Spend the extra money and and buy you know try it at home or get get like two or three of your buddies and each of you cook up one and, and sample it amongst each other and start to decide could i eat this five days in um would i be looking forward to this meal when i get back um the other thing is some guys will skimp on on the food like they're not, not buying really nice you know maybe they're gonna i like to use baby bell cheese um mm-hmm. I, I i i take a uh, salami is heavy um, so I like, I usually for protein, I'll, I'll take, uh, like, uh, nuts, uh, you know, I'll take like, like salted as well as, uh, like other, um, flavored nuts. Um, I'm taking jerky. Some guys like to take jerky. That's yep. jerky's flipping expensive. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I love uh, it. you know, you want to take some sugar, you know, some, some carbs that are going to be good. Like fudge rounds, like honey, honey stingers. Oh, I love those uh, too. Yep. Salted yeah, caramel. I, Sarted, oh, salted, dude. Caramel. salted caramel and snickerdoodle. Oh my god! Just gosh, got mine dude. in the mail today. No joke. My or no g- ginger snap. Yeah, ginger snap's the other one that I really like. There's a new. There's a company called Rip Van Waffle, which makes a waffle just like a honey stinger. And I'm actually starting to lean towards it. They have a birthday cake flavor really? out, of, out of this world. Rip oh. Van Waffle. And they also make those little like uh, those little crisp waffles. Uh, they can make a dark chocolate one that I'm really fond of right now. Um, they, so, uh, you know, I, if go into like an REI and just start, I mean, the REI selection, uh, of food is unfreaking believable guys. Um, but, uh, and we, so try the food before the hunt and don't skimp because listen, you're going on vacation. This is your vacation, right? Right. You <clears throat> wouldn't go on vacation with, with, you know, you wouldn't go out to dinner at vacation and start spending like eight bucks expect to spend eight bucks on dinner so when a freeze-dried meal you know or or basically your per per diem cost of food is running say 25 bucks for for mm-hmm. hunting like just be satisfied that you're going to eat like a king in the mountains <laughs> and recognize that that's a small investment and you're going to want to right dude you totally you are going to be scarfing food and you feel like at least me 
when I'm on the mountain, I feel like I'm always hungry because you're burning calories differently than you do just in a normal day. 100%. Yeah. So you feel like you're just always shoving food in your mouth and you're going to run other, out quick. The other thing that happens when you start cooking food like these freeze-dried meals at home, you start realizing like peak refuel, this, the, the beef stroganoff, it calls for, I think, 12 ounces of water. I think 12 ounces becomes beef stroganoff soup. So I run 10. But I've only mm. learned that because of, of situation. Like I made it as directed. And I'm like, oh, God, this is kind of soupy. Mm-hmm. I really am not getting the flavor of the sauce. The other thing, and this shout out to my buddy Justin uh, Nelson, Top Priority Films. I give him a little plug. But when we were hunting, he takes the peak refuel beef stroganoff, takes a beef top ramen, breaks the ramen up, puts the sauce in, adds about 10 or 11 ounces of extra water. Holy smokes, fellas. That's like pro tip number one right there. If you <laughs> if you want to like stuff some rad and awesome calories in your body, I mean, stuff like that. So anyway, try trying those meals at home, I think, is, is essential. Important. At least, yeah. yeah. So do you like uh, for heating water and all that stuff on the mountain? I mean, is jet boil your go-to thing or what do you – Two two different uh, stoves. I I prefer the MSR uh, wind burner um, or the wind boiler. I think is what they call it now. Um, that one is my go-to stove. But if I'm if I'm going lighter weight, um, I've always got a titanium cup with just a like a little stove that you just screw into the the to the fuel canister. Mm-hmm. But last year, Jetboil came out with a stove called a stove system called the Stash. And the stash is just basically an oversized titanium cup that has a little heat regulator on the bottom. It helps with the wind protection on the stove, and it also boils a little faster. It doesn't boil nearly as fast as the regular jet boil or the MSR. And I think the MSR burns like burns water or boils water faster than the jet boil, and it's a little more compact. Uh, and, and you can have like 50 mile an hour winds. That thing's not going out where the jet boil will. But that jet boil stash is. It include you know inside you can put the stove the canister right your the fuel canister the stove uh and and a lighter inside of that little guy and that's that's what if i know i'm going to be carrying a stove like like out away from base camp or i'm going you know kind of light and fast that's the one i'll take but if i'm going you know backpacking into where, where i i know i want a reliable you know fast boiling or i'm boiling for two of us or three of us uh that msr um when when uh when boiler is is the money nice absolutely so good deal okay yeah. i would be remiss remiss not to ask him one more question okay i had we, one more too so go ahead kendall we've had you for an sorry. hour and 40 minutes so i know apologize. we're, we're dragging your night out we're sorry uh, no man you you could talk gear i could talk gear all night so i i, I feel bad for your listeners well i apologize <laughs> for what i'm getting ready to ask you so i hope it doesn't take us too long here but i always got to ask a western hunter who has been in the game now for a long time what is your what are you currently running for a broadhead? Oh jeez. <laughs> Andy um, says, oh geez. So I I'm I'm a fixed blade. I, I've shot a lot of fixed blade, mm. but I'm a I'm a expandable guy. Um the Grim Reaper. The Grim Reaper has I don't think has ever I saw let me those down. In person a couple months ago. Um Grim they're Reaper. made right here in Utah, so maybe I'm I'm a little more partial to it. The, the Pro Series, uh, I really like the Mini Mag, which is a four-blade um, expandable. It's a little bit smaller uh, diameter, 
but all those things are deadly. I mean, I shot my mountain, I shot two mountain goats two years, which were, in 2020, I had two mountain goat archery tags, one here in Utah and one in, in Alaska. It was actually any weapon in Alaska. Both of them I shot with that mini mag. Uh, my deer I shot with mini mag that year. But when I jump over to elk, I use their, the, the traditional, the razor tip, um, the three blade uh, Grim Reaper. Those are, and then when I go whitetail, I usually will use either the, the, the whitetail uh, Grim Reaper or just that regular three blade. Um, and I've used the mini mag. I, I just can't say enough about how, how well they fly, how reliable they are, how sturdy they feel. Um, so, yeah. Now, when and you I say use, you jump to that three blade, is that a fixed at that point for elk? No. No, I use the expandable and, and okay. that's, that's where a lot of guys will, will steer away from the expandable. Um, I've used the RAD, the, the radical archery design, uh, uh, fixed blade. I've used the solid, um, the solid blade, like the, the Strickland, um, mm-hmm. two, you know, the, the yeah. helical or the two blade. Um, I've used the G5 striker, which I really liked. I like the way it flies. It's stupid, sharp or out of the package. That new Montec from G5, as much as Mon, you know, guys will poo-poo Montec, <laughs> the old the old Montec. That new one is legit, and it's it's quieter because of the solid piece of it. Um, so the Ozcut is actually a really good fixed blade. So there's there's a handful I've used out there, um, you know, because Idaho until this year, Idaho's been a fixed blade only state. Oh so really? Because I'm mm-hmm. because I've hunted elk up there, um, just about every year I've had to shoot fixed blade. Um, but yeah, I'm a, I'm the expandable guy in Grim Reapers. My, uh, my so my jam. so is Andy. He went back to expandables for elk yeah. too. I was shooting fixed for a while. Went back. I'm shooting the sever now. Yeah, good good broadhead. I wish we could sell it on Black Ovis. Um, yeah, I they're love direct the guys to that, consumer. Yeah, yep. and I love the guys at Easton Clint, who uh, he's the lead designer over there at Easton on on all products that are not uh, like arrows. But he's he's the one heading up that sever project, and and all they right. make a great broadhead. And I've 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 shot I've shot a handful of animals with it because mm-hmm. I'm just I'm a tinkerer I like to to test everything yeah um just wish we could sell them to our customers but but I wouldn't I wouldn't say anything negative about those broadheads they're sure. they're a great yeah. broadhead yeah the biggest thing for me that I'm I don't say I wouldn't I'm not saying I'm regretting it but it's starting to become a thing with me I I went to a fixed went I, I guess I went deeper down the fixed blade hole and I went with iron wheels oh yeah and that, I'm I'm happy with them but they're like $40 a piece. And so the, my biggest problem with them is just I don't want to use them. And then I've spent all this money on sharpening equipment, and I'm not confident in my ability to sharpen the blades really well. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sure I could do it easy enough, but, you know, then I start thinking about, man, it, it might be better to get a, a broadhead that's not so expensive so that I can not be that worried about, you know, messing it up or shooting it and, you know, nicking it, and I just get another one. But, uh, yeah. So, you know, there's, there's ways to look at it for everybody, expandable, fixed blade, all that stuff. So, yeah, Bill's a good, Bill's a really good guy. I've had some great conversation with him and I've actually, uh, talked to him about a month ago and, and, and I'm, I'm looking to try his broadhead this year. Uh, you won't be disappointed in them. They're, they're badass. I know I won't. Yeah. I, I hunted with a guy, uh, uh, Justin, who used to work with us, and and called in a bull for him, and he shot that thing with the uh, with Iron Will, and it, man, it cut through butter right through that elk. And <clears throat> yep, the blood was is pretty insane. It, yeah, I've I've heard nothing but good things about Iron Will, and the price is definitely the the hurdle. They're premium, there. sure. 
Maybe I yeah. just call him and have him send me like ten of them, so I don't worry about it as much. <laughs> but so, uh, go ahead, Andy. I was gonna say while we're on the topic of arrows, I think it'd be reminiscent if we didn't bring up Arrow ID. Oh my gosh, and, yes. And I mean, just what oh, you guys got yeah. going there, and how cool of a, a program that really is. Uh, can you give? I mean, give him a brief. I, I, we're at hour forty-five now, but give him a brief rundown of Arrow ID in itself as almost its own program, but. Yeah, it's Arrow ID was uh, we we created it. Um, similar, we basically we looked. At, have you ever heard of Nike ID, which you can go on and design your own shoes and order them? We did that. Yes, for my daughter wanted to do that, and I said no. <laughs> <laughs> we, we 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 do that about every other year at our employee Christmas party as one of the gifts for everybody. And, and after go. we did that a few years ago, we we're like, why don't we do this for arrows? So we created Arrow ID, and it, it's you you can go on and buy, you know, you create you pick the shaft. The veins if you want four you know four four veins or three veins if you want helical offset left offset right offset you know no helical um you can put a wrap no wrap you can change your knock colors um and we've got we've got wraps from like solo hunter and hush and elk shape mm-hmm. some of our you know close partners and guys that we want to support um and then yeah we'll 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 you design it we'll build it and we'll ship it to you uh, if it gets close to season and the guy and you're really itching for arrows, we do have a, what's a feature called lightning build. Basically you pay, it's kind of like airline prices. It varies based on, <laughs> on, how, on how demand it is, but it goes from 10 to 30 bucks for lightning build. Basically gets you a front of line guaranteed to two to three day build and out the door. Yeah. Um, nice. So, and we keep that. I mean, that's, yeah, I, I was up when I was up at that archery shoot in Montana, setting that course, uh, my friend Keith uh, Bushnell from Montana, he was, he was helping me set that course, and he said, "Hey, how many people you got uh, an arrow ID?" And I said, "We've well, we got a few. Uh, we got a handful of people in there." And he said, "Year round." I'm like, "Yeah." And he goes, "He was like, holy smokes, because he builds his own arrows, probably like you guys do." Did but did <laughs> it? <laughs> it's it literally it's it that service is for guys like me or guys like you or other people that just time starved, want yep. a good quality build, and and it's like one less thing you gotta you gotta fiddle with. Yep. Um, and you know they're going to get done right. So Micah, who's not here tonight, we know, uh, Micah had a dozen arrows made by you guys using the arrow ID. Hmm. And what we were most impressed with is, so Andy used to be able to get the arrows we use at a discount, I guess you'd call it, Mm -hmm. back in the day. And we used to get about a dozen arrows for around 120 bucks. That's just a bare arrow, right? Hmm. Then we we had to cut them. Then we got a... You know, fletch them, and so I bought a bits and burger. Russell has a bits and burger. We all, you know, one. bought all the different veins we liked, the, all the different glues, and it's fun. Don't get me wrong; I like to do it, but it's time consuming. So, Micah did the arrow ID, and he like he got the coolest wraps he could find. You know, just you know, he he wanted to do something cool, and it. This is like five years after we bought the dozen arrows for 120 bucks, and it cost him like 190 dollars. And yeah. that's a finished arrow done yeah, to your I door. I didn't think it was that much. Okay, maybe it was even less than that. that. But it, point point being, he's got the entire customization with everything included, and saved the time. And that's what I like about it is yeah. I like doing it. I guess I like customizing it, but it saves that time. Like talking about time starved, I still get that that unique customized arrow. And that satisfaction of it, but I don't have to sit in my basement for 
of Hours. the entire night and yeah. to do it. Yeah. yeah. And we we get guy we get plenty of guys that will they'll order up an arrow but they're like, "Hey, I don't want inserts in them because they're going to do some they're going to you know, increase the FOC or they're going to add some component like maybe the iron wheel components or or we've got guys that are just like, "Hey, I just want to I just want to cut an insert, but I want factory arrows, factory fletch." But uh, the customization, you can go, you know, all in, you know, bolts and nuts and, and go from field dip to everything. Mm-hmm. Or you can just say, hey, I just want, you know, I just want it built on one end. Don't cut it. I'll cut it myself and and uh, or or whatever. So, yeah, it's a yeah. good service. And and we, uh, we're we starting to heat up. It's getting busy back there. About that now, time. Now's the time. That's for sure. Yep. Yep. <laughs> so, Same no, as g- glad you mentioned that. I appreciate that. Yeah, I didn't think of that. Uh and if you use the code MWW10, you can save yourself 10% when you do that also. So Absolutely. just remember that, folks. Um, but, yeah, I mean, like I said, Mike is tickle pink with them. And, I mean, he, he likes the way – he thinks they fly better than what we did. So, I mean hmm. – and I, I tend to think he's probably right just because I'm not a pro at that. Like, when, when he fletches arrows, he comes over or borrows Russell's or comes over to my house and – I don't know for sure I'm great at it or I'm some, <laughs> like, great arrow fletcher. In layman's terms, we don't know what the hell we're doing. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I do. But, you, I mean, it's not like I do it for a living or I'm so – and so, you know, he got those arrows from the custom builder and shot them at 60 yards the first time. He's like, I'm pretty happy. Like, I think they might fly better than what I had before. So, um, you know, you're, you're getting people that do that. Like, that's all they do. Day in and day out every for day. the most part. Every day. That's all they're doing is you building arrows. You think they arrows. suck the guy, at it? <laughs> yeah. The guys and gals that are doing, they're building arrows and cutting arrows and they're, it's every day. And if, and you know, I mean, we're not perfect. They're, you know, if they're, if something goes, if something's built sideways, we'll fix it, make it better, redo yeah. it. Um, you know, we, we, we definitely, we own it from the start to the finish. So nice. arrow ID is yeah, pretty cool. awesome. Yep. Yep. Well, Kendall, we really appreciate your time before we let you go on this one. Um, why don't you give a plug to both camo fire and black Ovis, how people can, uh, check out your stuff if they don't already know about it. Um, and, uh, kind of what you do on both of them. And, and, uh, we'll let you, we'll finally let you, uh, go and let your wife and kids come back into the house. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure they're down there watching a the movie or something. The uh, no Black Ovis. You, I mean, we're on Instagram, Facebook, uh, BlackOvis.com, um, uh, the website, and then Camelfire uh, at Camelfire on on Instagram and, and and whatnot. We're also we've got a Black Ovis YouTube channel where we post all of our product videos and you know comparison videos stuff like that. So make sure you subscribe there. And the other only other thing I would say is the the Camelfire app. We just mm-hmm. relaunched the new Camelfire app. Yep, yep. I like um, that because it tells you how much longer it's going to be on that deal. So, yep. Yeah. I'm an indecisive yeah, person, so I know exactly how long I have to decide. <laughs> Change the account, the the way it runs the account, uh, like your account, keep track of your orders. It's it's a lot better, and and uh, that's been a long time coming. So, download the app on the on the iTunes Store, or the Play Store. But now, fellas, you guys have you guys have done a tremendous job. We love love uh the partnership and 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 there's no no additional plug needed for what we do yeah and like our boys at working class say uh it's great to delete that browser history after you've been on camo fire (laughs) 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 uh or just do it during your when you're doing your morning business like i was saying earlier you're you're in your happy place you're nobody's bothering you that's when you you get on your camo fire and take care of that Yep. Yep. Absolutely. And if you're if you're an email guy, then sign up for the daily email, and and we'll drop the uh, 
all the deeds in your inbox every day. Yep. There you go. Awesome. Well, Kindle card with uh, uh, Camo Fire Black Ovis. We really appreciate your time tonight, and uh, we'll talk to you later. Heck yeah, fellas. Thank you so much. Yeah. All right. Thank you. All right. I feel weird saying that because it's usually Micah that starts the Micah outro. Ra- yeah, brings in the outro. But uh, great show with Kendall. Appreciate his time. We uh, kept him from his family too long there. His wife, he said his wife and uh, daughter went for a walk. And I feel bad because by the time we got done, it was dark. Yeah. And we started, and he was talking about, you see these mountains out my window. And at that, by the, end, the end of it, it was it pitch was black. black. So, so we really the, appreciate Kendall giving us his time on a Friday night to do this. Um, it kind of was last second. Um, I'm going out of town for work next week, and we couldn't record with him. So he uh, he, was he had a little bit of time to hop on tonight. So yep. appreciate him taking time out of his schedule. Awesome, dude. Um, you know, I like – honestly, I like our partners – but it makes me like our partners a lot more when the people who own these companies or run these companies are down to earth. Are down to earth people like us. Well, I'm not saying I'm down to earth. Maybe I'm not. Oh, you're pretty close to it. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> you got joke. your second dad joke in, <laughs> dude. This is nice. Uh, but no, seriously, you know, it I makes mean, it easier. He, he sits there and you know he he BS'd with us before and after, um, just on awesome stuff, awesome topics gave us that much of his time and he didn't have to do that. And I mean, that's, that's great of him to do. Um, good people. And Ethan, go see them next time you're in Salt. Dude. You're in Utah. How do you not stop by Man, that store? Disappointing as a friend. That's not electric bill money. That's like mortgage money. You're <laughs> dropping that bad boy. <laughs> like if you go in there, they got it all. They got it all. Like, where do you stop? That's right. Yeah. Uh, we're just messing with you, buddy. Hope you, uh, <laughs> hope you enjoy getting messed with in the show. I, oh, I, hey, call me. Call me tomorrow after you, you hear this show, and I'll give you that 30% extra discount that Kendall's going <laughs> to make 30% increase that you get a black increase. Ovis. Yep. Uh, anyways, what else you got? Anything? That's it. That's all. This is today. That is tomorrow. All right. Why don't you go to bed so you can go hunt I'm going to bed. Be cranky. All right. Later. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.